All right, guys, uh, getting into everything. Benny Glossop coming on this episode, a guy we've wanted to get on for a while. I mean, with, you, you know, your association oh, yeah. with Benny. And uh, actually, before we get into this read for Ned, I do want to say thank you to all our sponsors for uh, hanging tight through these months as we've been doing this on Skype, because this will be the last episode we're doing on Skype. If all goes accordingly, I will be back in studio. Sound quality will be back to normal. And I appreciate you guys for bearing with us during uh, quarantine. Uh, with that, want to let you guys know about Ned. CBD has become extremely popular in the past year. And as the market becomes more and more saturated, it actually becomes a lot more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. I mean, I can tell you in my own area, every gas station, everywhere you go, you are seeing CBD. And for a lot of people, they're thinking, which CBD do I buy? And that is really who to go to. And that's because they produce the highest quality CBD extracted from the finest organic hemp plants from a small homestead in the bountiful farmland of Peonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. They even have a, uh, a blend now for immunity, which is really great because right now, in this time especially, you guys are going to want to check that out. No isolates, no synthetic ingredients, full transparency. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products and their extraction process, all right there on their site, their full-spectrum hemp oil, only contains their CBD extracted and non-GMO MCT oil. That's it. Great taste. And we've talked about the benefits before. If you're someone who's experienced post-traumatic stress, this is something you're going to want to try uh, getting off of all those prescription drugs and really doing something that's natural and good for you. An anti-inflammatory, natural pain reliever, uh, treats depression, and it's a rich source of antioxidants. So many more benefits that I know you've experienced since uh, getting yeah. on it. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they, they've been great with us. Really, really appreciate them being on board for as long as they have and continuing to support us because it's a great product. Yeah, it's a fantastic product. The oil it all speaks for itself, the CBD oil. Uh, just like Ian said, I, I, my, my surprise was the body butter. How, how cause it, it's, I, I thought it was just lotion. I thought, oh, oil the skin, moisture them up. And, uh, after I read about it a little bit and, you know, I, I suffered because of the lifestyle I chose to live a lot of aches and pains now in my getting to my older age. I'm, I think I'm still a young buck to some people out there, <laughs> but getting close to 50 and, and, uh, no, I, I didn't know it was, could be used as an analgesic. I didn't know it had anti-inflammatory properties till I studied it a little bit more. And then I started using it. And I, every time I work out, I, I rub a little bit on my knees. I rub a little bit on my elbows where, where it actually, yeah, the soreness kicks in and it, it takes it away. And it actually, it actually takes it away continually. It's not just something I have to put on and that soreness comes right back. In, in full force it's it's actually helping improve it um so i'm able to still run put about 40 50 miles in a running a week and still lift and and that body butter has worked wonders and so if you have arthritis guys out there and i know a lot of you veterans are getting it or you do and you have it in your hands or or their joints to try that and then of course the cbd oil uh, still I, I i went back to taking it before bed uh and it still is tremendous, still helps me, helps me go right to sleep and, and yeah. have a good full night's sleep. So, yeah, try, try them both, guys. And, and then um, maybe the, somebody could get if they did the try the uh, what's the other one we had there, brother, the one they just put out the immunity. Oh, the immunity blend. blend? Yeah. yeah if, if, if you try it, guys, let us know. I know I haven't, so I can't speak eloquently on it. I don't know if Ian has. I don't have think it, yeah, he has either. Yeah. 
yes but if you do please please reach out and let us know how that goes and and uh but the other things the cbd oil and the body butter i swear by it and i will use it pretty much for the rest <laughs> rest of my life if the rest of my life to help me continue to to stay at the levels i'm used to staying at in training and just daily activities 100 percent. and uh, you know i know right now during this time a lot of people are having sleep issues a lot of stress um, I think a lot of things on people's minds. So if you're one of those people and you're looking for something to sleep, want to go with something that's not habit forming, that's not bad for you. Uh, this is really the way to go. Uh, as always, Ned will not get you high. Full spectrum hemp is a non-psychotropic. Ned products contain a minuscule amount of THC, less than 0.3% as allowed by law. And if you want to check out Ned and try CBD, we have a special offer just for you guys, the battle line audience, the people who have tried it, are they're they're customers for life now so if you want to be one of those people as well go to www.helloned.com slash battle line or enter battle line at checkout you're going to get 15 percent off your order plus free shipping whether you're doing the body butter cbd immunity blend any of that just use the co- the coupon code battle line at checkout h-e-l-l-o-n-e-d.com slash battle line 15 percent off your first order plus free shipping Thank you, Ned. Let's get into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battleline Podcast. like the new intro I, i've gotten some good comments on it i i really enjoyed making it i i, I enjoyed putting it together because debbie did a great job jimmy yeah. did a great job with the with the music and i i like being creative like that i like putting stuff together and making just a really cool sounding slick intro so oh dude you caught me right in the middle of a drink and a coffee but the intro for uh, debbie's fantastic but jimmy oh my gosh that who gets to say yeah the the founder one of the founders of puddle of mud get, is, is did the did the guitar riff for your intro and it's freaking kicks ass dude so i i love when you send it to me i'm like that's badass <laughs> it, it, the, the the guitar intro makes my yeah pushes almost shoot you in the face motherfucker sound like so weenie-ish because the guitar <laughs> intro is so hard that's what's cool about it so yeah i'm pretty impressed with you man you're, and you're, I, had to, I had to throw in the alex clip too of, I mean, oh yeah yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like if i'm gonna throw in a clip i have to you know gotta throw some humor in there and that yeah. was great it was surreal when he said that but anyway uh getting into everything i mean this is a pretty significant um amount of events going on we're taping this on friday which is juneteenth 
uh, of course, celebrating 1865, the abolition of slavery, which a lot of people are talking about right now with everything going on. Uh, Sunday, which will be the day before you hear this, it's going up Monday, Father's Day, of course. So I'm hoping you had a great Father's Day or going to have a great Father's Day since we're taping this on Friday. Uh, and then my birthday is on Tuesday. A lot going on. Wow, you do have a lot going on, man. I, I don't really have much going on, which is you don't, you don't have any Father's Day plans, man? Uh, oh, I Father's Day. Oh, my gosh. Okay, don't let's, let's just don't, don't put any of that in there. Okay, put it in there. My son's birthday is on Father's Day. <laughs> oh, so that's a lot going on for I you have too, a lot man. going on. Don't, okay, you can put it in there. Daniel, here, hear it, and I'll get my ass whooped later for that. But right, do, you, yeah, do you have, like, birthday slash Father's Day plans, nah, dinner nah, out type of thing? No, not the we, – we have a local restaurant here called Tussie's that's down the road, and they're awesome. You know, it's, 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 it's not a chain, and it's right down in, an, in a little area – right by our house, which is out of the way of, of everybody of, of the city of Omaha. So we may do that. That's always fun, you know, cause, and the people know us there cause we go there all the time, but really I, my son, I remember him that we asked him, what do you want for his birthday? And he just counted to 37. He's five, he's four. He's going to be five. And he says, I want 37. And we're like, what's 37? He goes, I want 37 presents. So we have to figure, <laughs> we have to figure that one out. But we got him a cake and we'll have something here. And then for me, I never, I always tell, no, nah, don't you guys, the kids will get me a card, but that's good enough. I don't, I don't do anything, but we'll either do that or I'll cook steaks on the grill, which is always fun. Cause you know, we live around so many, it's, it's, it's actually comfortable. Cause my house, even though I'm in Omaha, it, it's surrounded by trees, so it really, it, it, even though you're in the city, you feel like you're not in the city. So um, it, it's it's beautiful. So we will just we we'll probably just hang around here and watch TV and watch Disney Plus or watch something on Netflix or and just have a good night. That's probably what we'll do. Nice man. Yeah, for my dad, I usually this time of year I'll get him tickets to some event. That's what we usually do, whether it's a baseball game or, but with <laughs> nothing is going yeah, on. Going it's on. so interesting, man, because, um, you know, hockey is going to be back without fans. Uh, of course, football will be back. Uh, basketball. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, it seems like nothing is happening. They could not yeah. come to an agreement as far as we know. And, uh, yeah, baseball fans are gonna be missing out. Well, big, big shock, you know, baseball can't baseball owners and players can't come to agreement. I, I think if you if we've done a study and I don't know for sure, but for how many lockouts and how many seasons have been canceled in comparison to all the sports, I, I, I would say baseball just from me remembering growing up uh, how many times the season has been canceled or walkouts been going on. I know the NFL did it once. I could have swore baseball did it twice. Ninety four was one season. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I do remember that one. And, you know, it's a funny conversation that's been had before. And they talked about it in the documentary, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Um, you can argue, you know, whether pro or against steroids kind of saved baseball after that. Yeah. Right after that, we had the that home was run. The McGuire yeah. and Sosa. That was all. And, I, you know, McGuire, I, and I, I have the rookie cards. You guys, I'm a huge baseball collector fan. I've had, I've got tons of baseball cards. In fact, my retirement, I could probably go downstairs. I, I know I've got <laughs> just, I know I'm getting into six figures as far as my baseball card collections. Cause I was collecting back when baseball cards were 25 cents and you got to stick a gum in the, in the packets. That's but, great. um, I did, but you know, Mark McGuire, you were doing it. Yes. I, and do I believe they did? No, of course they all did. It, it was obvious. It's, it's obvious guys. Yeah. When you're overdoing it, you can tell your skin gets all red. You you get for your forearms look like Popeye forearms. It's, it's but that being said, 
you know, if you listen to his do his interviews and then if you even watch him, which I, I still like watching ESPN when I say don't watch the news. I do like ESPN because I grew up on it. I did. I, 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 I mean, you know, I wouldn't call it the news. It's yeah. Sports. See, that, that's why I just watch so many. Oh, you son of a bitch, Chris. You said you didn't watch the news. You watch ESPN. No, I, I do. The 30 for 30s are awesome yeah. if you ever watch them. It, and um, but, you know, growing up, Mark McGuire, even without he still was like a gentleman. An ambassador. He was professional. He's a dad. He, he didn't ever come across as an arrogant athlete, at least to me on watching him grow when I was watching sports. So I, I thought that was awesome. And for it, to, for it to be that way. And he was so he was so nice to the Maris family when it was all going on, too. So respectful. And him and Sammy Sosa, actually, you didn't see it as a competition. They were cheering each other on. And even I even think Sammy Sosa came. I remember the game. I was watching it. I think he actually when McGuire broke the record, he came because it was against the Cubs. He came across the field and gave him a hug out of his right field position. I mean, how many times are you going to see that nowadays? Probably yeah. never. Never. It was it was. Yeah, you're right, bro. I totally agree. It did save baseball. And then. And then yeah, I mean, the, people don't want to admit it, but it is true. You wouldn't have seen all those home runs. And yeah. Yeah, it, it it changed the game, but I do remember the lockout. I you know I was younger at the time, uh, but anyway, man, I, I just figured I'd mention that. Getting into everything, uh, we have a really good email. Uh, we also got. Uh, I'll address this one really quickly because other people might be wondering, and then I'll get to the email. On uh, Instagram, I got a message. Uh, hey, Chris and Ian, what is the source of the March cadence you have at the end of each podcast? It sounds familiar. I'd love to listen to the complete cadence. Thanks. Um, so that is Mark Slaughter, Never Given Up, and it's actually in the song itself. So the thing is, if you go on um, if you go on iTunes or any of that stuff and you buy the song or listen on Spotify, there's a single version where it didn't have that. And I was in touch with Mark when he made the song, and you know the song was about guys struggling from post-traumatic stress, guys who have lost limbs in combat, the whole idea of, as the song says, don't let yourself stay in your way never given up on yourself. Um, it didn't originally have that. And then when he put it on the album, he added that and it really made sense. So I was like, we're going to use that. So yeah, those, that army cheer that you hear in the background at the end of each episode, if you get never given up off the album version, not the single version, you're going to hear that at the end. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks for the question. And then I have an email here and it's cool to see who listens to the podcast because this is a Sergeant from the Boston police department who had a question, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, so this is sent to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, guys, I'd like to start by thanking you for giving great content. Uh, it's refreshing to be able to listen to people that are unapologetic Americans, stand up for what they believe in, and aren't scared to voice their opinion. I genuinely enjoy listening, even though I'm a few episodes behind. I was curious what your thoughts are on this Capitol Hill autonomous zone, Chaz, in Seattle. I'm absolutely dumbfounded by the East Precinct being abandoned and six blocks essentially being given to this group. I understand they've given a list of demands as well. Do you believe their demands will be met? If so, what are the potential ramifications of, or uh, for lack of a better term, the mayor and police chief bowing down to this group? I know you guys don't care for getting political, and truthfully, it's not my thing either. But from a safety and security perspective, what are your thoughts? Thanks and be safe. Respectfully, Sergeant N. Tamargo, uh, once again from the Boston Police Department. So cool to get that email. Yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, you, I I've seen a little bit of it with me not paying attention to the news a whole bunch. Um, 
but I have a, you know, being from second range battalion and being stationed up at Fort Lewis, I still have a lot of ranger buddies that live up in Washington. I had a buddy of mine, Jeff Lizenby, that actually ranger. And he also, we also were contractors in Iraq together. He was on my team in Baghdad. Well, he hit me up and told me that was going on. And I just said, bro, it's time for you to leave. <laughs> it's time for you to get out of Washington. And because you, you there, there, and then going back to what you're asking, though, in my opinion, uh, uh, it's it's the you know, there, there's reasons why we don't negotiate with terrorists. And, and that group, if they're part of Antifa, it's been designated terrorist groups. There's reasons for it. Now, I, I don't know. I know all those people there aren't terrorists. They're protesters. But what I'm saying is that when you start negotiating because they've given demands and they've taken over and then you give in, it sets a precedence and then it, it sets a precedence for other people and other other more violent protesters to do this sort of thing as well. So um, y- you really can't negotiate with them. I-, I-, I don't see it. As far as the, the, the politicians and the, the giving up that, that area and the police department giving up that area, d- dude, you made a mistake. But Washington, that's who you voted for, guys. I, I don't know. You, you kind of reap what you sow. And if that's what, you, if that's what you're into and that's what who you're putting in power and that's what they're doing, then you have to just you have to just you have to give it out. You have to just let it play out. That's the best thing you can do. You can't go in there. It's, it's not like they they took over the embassy annex in Benghazi, a bunch of terrorists mm-hmm. and they're shooting, killing everybody. You can't go in there and just take it back by force. That That's not what you need to do either, because that doesn't set a good precedence uh, for law enforcement or, or the government itself. Now, if there's Ian and help help me out, brother. Um if there, I don't know if there has been. Has there been any violence going on in there? Any, yeah, any killings? I, from what I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's been killings, but I think there's been some violence. Well, and violent. But then again, if the group that's going in there and taking it over and saying this is a police-free zone, well, guess what? You're getting, you're reaping what you sow. Either wait, wait. I don't want any police in this zone, but now I want you to come help us when there's people getting assaulted. No, that's what you get there. But you know, when you start something. And you 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 take it on. You got to you got to look at it and look what the consequences can be. And you better accept those consequences if that's what you're going to do. And if that both both sides are out, both sides with the government there in Seattle, the governor and then with the people there, you put yourself in that situation. Now you just got to let it play out. You, you have to let it play out unless there is machine guns going on there and they're attacking and they're starting to take over city blocks by force. With guns and and RPGs and and, and mortar rounds and no, you, you that's just that's not we, we can't do that. You're not you can't roll through there with a tank. That, that's America. That's why we're not other countries. And if that happens, if that something is done by force, man, that's going to set a pr- bad precedence and it's just going to draw this this out even longer than really what it's already should be. And, and that's my opinion. I, I really use you, you got to sit back and just okay. But then again, as a complainers with those people, I'm going back to the going back in, in a full circle. The people that are sitting there, they're squatting there or they've taken over those city blocks. You can't sit there and be, hey, where are the police at when there's a problem going on? So if there's massive, massive uh, violence going on in there, yeah, I do believe either the National Guard will assist and law enforcement has to go in there and take and, and disperse it. Not not going in there by shooting people, not going in there by just with the least amount of violence as possible. Let's put it that way. But again, you 
the people that are there, if, if you're complaining now, and if they are, I don't know, Ian, I have no idea. But if you are complaining that we're not getting help when there's a when there's something violent going on in that group, in that little section that you've made it an autonomous zone, that's on you guys. That's that you, you reaping what you sow. That's the consequences that you have to accept by doing what you're doing. And I, I, I don't think that in America, I think a lot of people don't take responsibility for their actions. And that's what I see. So, I, you know, without knowing a lot what's going on in that area, except that it's going on, I don't know the specifics. Maybe you can talk about it a little bit better, Ian, than I can, which you probably can. You're, you're, no, you I mean, I, I think everything you said is is pretty on point. But, but, brother, I that's that's it. I take responsibility. If you if you act a certain way, you're gonna it. Whatever happens to you, that's that's your responsibility. You have to take ownership for that. And that's the problem now I see with a lot of this is people don't. They pass the buck. We see that. But you know what? What can you say about it? We, we follow our leaders. That's what our leaders always do. When have you last seen a, a politician take responsibility for making a mistake? <laughs> Never. I think the last one was uh, when Bill Clinton was was getting uh, was was getting um, with Monica Lewinsky. He was getting impeached and a Republican senator. I forget who he, where he was from. It was a Republican congressman was also caught in the same as having an affair and he went up to talk in front of the big in the in front of the uh, the house speaker house or whatever he was and you know he demanded Bill Clinton to resign and he was being yelled at yelled at on the floor about him be having to resign and um and when that happened uh, he actually resigned right there on the floor. He says, I take full responsibility for my actions. The right thing for me to do is step down from my position. And he actually did it right there on the floor. That's And then what was that? That was during the Clinton years. So what was that in the 80s, 20-some years no, ago? Oh, 90s. 90s. Okay, well, still 20-some <laughs> years ago. But that is the last time I saw a politician actually do something, make a mistake, and then take ownership for that mistake. So yeah, know, It's a weird thing, a though, because, I, I mean, I'm personally a believer that whatever these guys want to do in their personal life, I could care less. Um, I mean, Quentin's, Quentin's offense was lying under oath. It wasn't having an affair. Yeah, you, you know, um, but, but the whole, whole th- let's, let's not, you know, don't, don't bust my balls or tip for tap, but you get what I'm saying. The, I'm saying no, I do, but I mean, look, this current president had an affair while his wife was president. And exactly, you know? and, and, but that's what I'm saying. They're not, they don't take ownership for their actions. One has. It always falls down from the top. People, and that's why in our country, you don't see people taking a lot of ownership for their actions. They pass the buck. That's not my fault. And somebody else made me do it. Oh, well, I'm okay, but 99% of my other guys, they're not. Or, or wait, well, I don't really fall in that group. Oh, wait, I just had a bad day. It really didn't work. No, take fucking ownership. And nobody does that. And it, it leads to what we're at. But it, it get where I fall. It falls from the top. It falls from looking at who's up top. Well, if our president isn't taking ownership for his mistakes or the secretary of state isn't taking ownership for their mistakes, why should I? That's how I that's what I'm getting at, man. Not necessarily the affair, but you're right. You know, if you're to be perfectly right on point, you're exactly right. And he wasn't he wasn't impeached for for. No, uh, and, and the reason I say it, though, is, is because a lot. Actually, it's really a lot of left wing people will go. Oh, what did he do that was so wrong? He, you know, got, you know, oral sex in the Oval Office. Who cares? But that is not what he's impeached for. He's impeached for lying under oath. And that is a big offense. You can't lie. No matter what, you can't lie under oath. 
But when, but when did it become okay to also be the president, have the highest morality in the world, and 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 then have an affair in the actual White Yeah, House? but I'm, you, you can't lose the job for that. Is is my point? Oh, you should be able to if that's your business. <laughs> but we're, we're we're getting we're getting away. I don't want to get on. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're we're having. But brother, I the, as a police officer, brother, and I know you're in a bad position there. You're put in a bad position. You know, make sure you do the right thing. And the police officers in in Washington, if you're told to disperse, you know, watch that order, though. What is it for? Is it that bad that we have to go in there with the the force that's use the force that's necessary? Don't overdo it. Don't let your emotions get involved. You can't let emotions get involved when you're doing things like that, because then it goes overboard and you get what I call bloodlust. And I've seen it. I've seen guys do it that have that power and ha- and can go in there and go overboard on on doing their job. Well, it's my job. I can do what I, I need to do to get the job done. Well, you do it minimal forces necessary because we're still human beings. And and that's where I think we've run into problems now. Why this is all happening now is the force that was used, the force escalation that wasn't used correctly. You went too far. And, and that's why we're ha- well, that's that's why we're in this position with all these protesters and rioters, rioters right now is because we forget that. Well, what started it all? Too much force used for a situation that didn't call for that much force to be used. Yeah. And that's why I just tell you, know, I sit on it, let it play out. But if it does become where it's just completely violent and, and people are dying, killing, murders, t- rapes, all that going on in there, you, you do as a governor. You have to. Well, we got to stop this. And then you do have to send in, and I, I would, I would send in national, I would send in military personnel, national guard, along with your law enforcement. But again, giving the strict orders to use the least amount of force as necessary. Well, Chris, I'm not going to be safe there. Don't even talk to me about. It. I've been there. I know, I know what that is. I know what that next escalation of force is. Been in those positions before. It sucks to go in there and know that you can't shoot, even though people have guns. And I've been there. Roan, that wasn't part of the movie. Roan didn't say, hey, don't shoot until we get shot. Hey, that That's what he said. I said, I got AKs. I, they're coming at us right now. Don't shoot. I don't want to go to prison, Tano. Make sure they have, make sure they're shooting at us. Everybody's got AKs here. That wasn't movie magic. That's what he said. And that's the kind of rules of engagement we had to go by. So don't tell me, well, I'm going to be defenseless because I can't do what I need to do. Use your head. Your strongest weapon is your head. And it's using your mind, your situational awareness. That gun is the last thing you want to use ever, ever. So when you go in there, if you have to, and it probably looks that way that's going to go that way, least amount of force is necessary that you have to use to get the job done. Again, and you're not going against al-Qaeda guys. I know Antifa's branded a terrorist organization, but they ain't al-Qaeda. And they're not the Taliban. And guys on your units that have served overseas in Iraq against those forces will tell you the exact same thing. Listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. Well said, man. Yeah. And I I think a lot of people are just, uh, yeah, very wrapped up in this at the moment because of the amount of coverage that it's getting, the amount of media attention. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's very it's very easy to let this consume everything going on oh, in your yeah. life. But it, but it is crazy. We're living in in a like I said before, a very different country than we were just a few months ago. And it's actually pretty crazy to think that in November we will we will either be reelecting this president or electing a new right. president, which I don't think is going to change ever everything. I you know I think people put way too much uh, stock in you yeah. know, who's at the top. 
I think we're going to be in a chaotic situation no matter who gets elected in November. And the only thing you can do is, uh, as we've said on the podcast, stay positive in your own right. Set an example for your own life, your friends, your family, uh, all, all that stuff. Because I, I just I don't see this like dying down in November. Nah, I, I agree with you. And, hey, I, I want your opinion. I'm asking you a question, your opinion. Sure. With all this going on, I know we got to get Benny on, but with all yeah, this going we, on, it, and we talked a little bit about it, do you think, yeah, I, I think, do you think that having sports come back would help quell a lot of this? Would, would help with bringing, bringing, bringing sports and being able to have that on the TV or having to be able to go to concerts? Because we discussed it, and I, I honestly yeah. do believe that, but I, I do want your opinion on it. I think people would like to hear your opinion of, of, of even though it, people, oh, it doesn't match up, it's not the same things. Well, right now we don't have a lot going on. There's not much else to do <laughs> outside. Yeah, no, what, what do you think, man? I, I think people would like to hear that opinion. I know I, I always take over the conversation. So no, yeah, no, please, please. I, I think, uh, no, I think you're completely right. I do think people are wrapped up in all of this because there's nothing else going on. And I know you feel this way because you've said it before. You know, once stuff comes back, I would like to see just something that doesn't involve <laughs> politics and divisiveness because now we're already talking about, I mean, I, I you know, not to get into the whole Drew, Drew Brees thing, but it, it's pretty ridiculous now because I, Drew Brees said, hey, I'm going to stand for the national anthem and then had to like apologize for saying he's going to stand for the national anthem. I, I mean, I just, can we go, can we have one thing that doesn't involve politics <laughs> right now? Just one thing. Give us I, something that we can I, I, enjoy as a country because I do agree that would bring us back together on some level. And I, re I do remember at least growing up, you know, in the late nineties, even the early two thousands, not everything was political. And we've gotten to a point where there is, there's nothing you could do that doesn't involve I, politics. And it's, it's pretty sad. And that's, that's why like we're, we like to do this podcast where anybody could really listen, I think. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, but I had no idea what the Drew Brees thing. I didn't know that. Holy shit. And you're, you're completely right. That's why I chuckle about it too. I, I am going to always chuckle about it because it is, it's completely ridiculous. This politics and, and, and everything is ridiculous. And said, uh, you know, we're a part of the problem for saying we're going to stand for the national anthem. So now, now the whole thing is like, you can't stand for the national anthem. People are, people are even speculating that when the season starts, I mean, this is like a real thing that everybody is going to be taking a knee, uh, which is just, it's, it's pretty crazy that now you, you can't stand for the national anthem. Yeah, that is so ludicrous. We've gone to the complete other end. And and guys, and with the flag, you you've completely lost what the flag is all about. The flag is about freedom. The flag is about those that have served overseas as well, protecting protecting the freedoms to be well idiots at times and good people at times too. So I I, I hate it. That's the only thing I have an issue with kneeling with the flag is that you've hijacked it for one. You've hijacked the flag, the meaning of the flag, of the national anthem for one thing, which is. Quite, quite frankly, and you may hate me for saying this, and I don't give a shit because you, I, I don't. You hate me or not, but you've, you've, you've hijacked it for something political, and that's ridiculous. I didn't serve for politics. I may have served for shitty politicians, but I didn't serve for politics. And when I had flag draped coffins, when I flew back with them, we weren't thinking about oh shit, politics, politics, politics. It was, damn it, man. 
lost my buddy. He's right there next to me. Damn it. Could, we could have done better. Damn it. We should have fought harder. It was nothing about politics. And then, then fuck it. Well, damn brother that you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. I know I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm gonna let it go. Cause we won't get Benny on, but I, I completely agree with you, dude. I completely agree with you. It's just, it's just so stupid now. It really is the stupidest thing. Yeah. Politicians. Yeah. This uh, dis- all I can say is, yeah, disgust me. That's my final word there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, we'll get to Benny. I don't see him on right now, but let's see if I could add him to the call because I have him uh, on here. If not, I'll, I'll shoot him a text and say, yeah, where are good. you, dude? He's good. He's yeah, no, good. I, I know. I'll be fine. I just don't see him on right now, but it might be, you know, this phone connects or something. I, I don't know. There we go. How you doing, man? I think I got hacked. Somebody. I think. Who- you know? I think you're sending dick pics again. Stop doing that stuff, dude. You can't do inappropriate stuff on Skype. Knock I, that stuff off. I only do that to your private tech. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, you got caught. That's why I know I know what they were. So shut your mouth. Stop, stop telling everybody our dirty laundry. I want to ask you a question. How do you know so much about it? How do I? Dick pics? Because it's a pic of a dick. That's how it's, I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm keeping this I'm keeping this in the podcast. Like it showed the the camaraderie between you guys. So for the audience though, for the the proper introduction, Benny Glossop, also known as the professor, of course, firearms and combatives instructor with Battleline Tactical and his own company, Integrated Combatives Group. So much in your bio, so much to cover. I mean, former pro MMA fighter and kickboxer, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, fifth degree black belt in American kickboxing, third degree black belt in Olympic taekwondo, trained for all branches of the military with firearms, uh, Leo SWAT, uh, law enforcement SWAT team, the U.S. Marshals you've trained, and also you're personally an EMT, a firefighter. I think this is like the the most lengthy bio of anyone we've had on the show, but it's all it's all pretty noteworthy. So it's great to have you on, man. Don't forget epic Corona mustache. I'm in the work. <laughs> you know what? The, yeah. the first thing I, I wanted to ask is you guys have been doing so much interesting stuff with Battleline Tactical for a while now. How did the two of you guys hook up? Uh, it was kind of a funny story. I've heard of Tonto, you know, through mutual friends, but through uh, Dave Boone Benton, who's been a student and a friend of mine since 2003. When Battleline was founded and started, uh, he wanted to bring me in to just come train for a day. And maybe it was a bit of a a tryout for Tonto because I hadn't met him in person yet. But I went and helped teach a course one weekend and Tonto and I hit it off right away. And basically it was that very simple introduction from his old teammate and one of my, you know, favorite people. And everything fell into place. You know, I mean, it was, it's like, when you know something's right and you meet somebody, it's a very smooth transition, you know? And and he was sexy. Sorry, and, uh, I had a potential spam call coming in, of course. And, yeah, I don't know, like when you're ridiculously good looking, Tonto's all over that. So <laughs> he, is, he is really, really ridiculously good looking. He did the blue steel. And I was like, you, you're, you're hired. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now, Benny, Benny's been, been around for... Oh, for a while, man. We brought him in to do some for the battle line for the battle line, uh, a battle line training company. Brought him in to do just some combative stuff. And the thing is, uh, is with tactical training or tactics, I shouldn't say training, just tactics in, in any essence. It's I always deem it as being athletic. And, and I don't think the gun world took it that way. I know they have the tactical games now, but I don't think they really see it as 
being athletic like a professional sport. Maybe they do now, maybe they don't. I, I don't see it as much as I, I, I believe it should. But athletes can get into the tactical world and it, it, they're they're like idiot savants. They just pick it up like that because it is. If you're athletic, tactics really isn't that hard. It's not tough to do. You can learn to shoot a gun. You can learn. To, it's it's the footwork. It's the body. It's the balance. And Benny already had the the athlete from being being in the martial arts, but he is an athlete prior to that too. I mean, I, I'm giving him props for that, and that's the last time you're going to get any props from me, dude. Ever. <laughs> but but I get he, he was an athlete. <laughs> he was an athlete before MMA, and so when he came in and he started to just watch and learn and 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 pick stuff up, he picks it up really quick. And and good athletes can pick up tactics so easy because it is it's all about balance and footwork and and he, he's got it so that's why he comes in yeah he, he still does the combative stuff but he also gets the firearms portion that's why he's out there teaching and training with with uh with other units because he's good at it and and if anybody you know nowadays said yeah he told him i've only really been doing this for about a year they'd be like what the hell but it just just goes back to his mindset and him being a being a good good athlete and also he he's already got the instructor thing down because he's been doing that for years and like i said he and he's dead sexy especially his cauliflowers they really are <laughs> sexy <laughs> hey bro when, when you came on um you know asking and we talk about it in in your opinion but just go in because your mindset of training a lot, a lot of people are out there listening to us they they want to get into tactical training they want to get into farms they want to get into combatives um, I like, cause what you teach people is, is your mindset of how you just bring them down. You bring them to have fun and laugh. And that's, that's the battle line is too. We, we always appreciate how we're going to have fun. Can you get into your mindset of, of being a trainer? And let's say you're going to talk to somebody for the first time that's, that's interested, but very, very intimidated by the tactical world or, and combatives and MMA what would you tell them and what would you say to them? And then how would you train them? How would you start with them and bring them up? I, I'd like people to hear that because it's important. Cause I see that every day when you go train and you teach people, but I, I want people out there that are still on the fence about learning tactics and learning firearms and learning combatives. This is the way to bring them into the community. And, and we need more people like that in the community. We need new blood. So tell, could you do that for me? Basically almost like a little Benny gloss recruiting video. And what your feelings are as far as new people coming into the world of tactics, tactical training and, and combatives. I, I think the scariest thing for people right off the bat is the ego, right? They think they're not good enough. How could I compete with two heroes from Benghazi? How could I compete with a pro MMA fighter? How do I compete with that guy over there that's so tactical with 30 pounds of elite <laughs> gear on? And it, it, it's crazy. The ego... Uh, forces people into an unwanted intimidation. And for me, um, I live in this world where I feel like people look at me like um, I do have this long bio. I do have this long, pretty looks great on paper, you know, my resume of the different things, but I'm not better than anybody else at anything that I've ever done. I never think that I'm good enough either. I just want to provide the knowledge that I can provide and I want to be able to help people get better. If you're 1% better today than you were yesterday, then you are already have improved so much. Because you add 1,000 days of 1% on, you're 1,000% better. And that's not a, I mean, that's, you know, think about no training today and a simple three years from now, how elite you could be because of 1,000 days of training. Yeah. Per se. 
So when you remove the ego, which I, I'm not saying that I don't walk with a little strut or I don't, I don't have some confidence because if you don't believe you're good enough, then you shouldn't be doing the job either. Right. So there's a yeah, balance yeah. there. Right. Yeah. But, um, I, I feel like everybody's an athlete. Everybody is an athlete. If you're a 400 pound, you know, uh, five foot eight, 400 pound person, you're still an athlete. Maybe you've got a lot of work to do, but as long as you're not sitting on that couch eating potato chips every day, if you get out and go walk a half mile, try to jog a half mile and you do a little bit more every day, that's athletic. You know, that's, that's athleticism at work and you're, you're working to improve yourself. So everybody's an athlete. Everybody can pull a trigger on a gun. Everybody can move from the blue barrel to a parked car. And yeah. I think that, you know, when you, when you just let people know you're no different than anybody else, I could teach Ian how to fight. And in a year to three years, you might be spanking on me, you know, and I think <laughs> my job as a coach is to make you better than me. Right. Uh, when I wrestle with Tonto, he doesn't stand a chance and he never will. But most <laughs> people, um, Dude, you know, I just love having but, your hands on me. I just, I I just, I just melt. <laughs> like, I don't want to fight. Just rub me, man. Just yeah, rub yeah. me. But, but I think that my approach is to try to ease the ego, right? If you check your ego at the door, and if you're really not trying to be better than the person next to you, no matter how good they are, no matter how cool they look, all you can focus on is making yourself better. Then you're going to be amazed. And I won't mention any names without permission, but we have a girl that's done a whole bunch of our battle lines. And the first time I met her, it was the second one she'd ever done. And she was so nervous to go step on the line and shoot. And I was like, well, just, you know, nobody's around. Pull the trigger. Show me what, you know, what you can do. And I'm not even a firearms instructor. I'm teaching combatives. And that girl was like a dead shot. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? She goes, well, I'm not afraid to shoot a paper target, but I'm afraid to do a concealed carry because I don't think I'm good enough. I said, then do more battle lines, train for six months, look at where you are today to six months from now, and look at how much you've improved in that short amount of time. And you're miles ahead of the people that carry every day and they never train, period. Yeah. So um, I, I just eased her own ego. She was getting in her own head about it, you know? And so this is a guy that, like, going back a little bit, Tonto said, you know, that first day that I met Chris, I was nervous. You know, I've got this good resume, but I'm nervous. Like, um, <laughs> I've heard about him for years. What, what is he going to think of me? Do I, does he like my teaching style? Is he going to, is he going to challenge me on the fighting side of things? Is he going to challenge the way that I take weapons from people or, or keep my own weapon? And instantly we were that brotherhood. Like we just started making fun of each other right away. <laughs> yeah. I went, yeah. <laughs> I went from that one day of being nervous three years ago to now I'm teaching active shooter response. I'm teaching vehicle CQB. I'm a lead instructor with his company yeah, coming from yeah. very minimal firearms instruction and basically just being a fighter with combatives against weapons. Now I'm doing firearms instruction in very elite situations because he's taught me, uh, our mutual friends have taught us, uh, Boone has taught me, Ben Morgan's been a great instructor for me. But at the same time, I feel confident because these guys are learning from me also. And that's what a team is about. Some of us yeah. are better at certain things than each other, but we all have something the other one doesn't have, and we make each other a great team. And it's the last three years has been spectacular. It's been a time in my life. That's so awesome, man. Uh, I, yeah. I just want to go back to something you were saying earlier because I think it's it's a big, a major point, and I want to make sure we don't skip over it, where you were saying one of the women you trained with the concealed carry said, I don't think I'm good enough at this. And I think people underestimate how major yeah. that negative self-talk could be, because if you really say, I'm not good at this, and you continue to tell yourself, I'm not good at this, you're never going to be good at it. 
Uh, it really, a lot of it has to do with that psychology we put in ourselves. And some of it sometimes goes back to childhood. You know, maybe when you were a teenager, when you were 10, you weren't able to do this and you weren't able to do that. And in your 30s, some of those people become athletes or they or they master something that was never in their wheelhouse. And I think getting that negative self-talk out of people is one of the most important steps in getting them to really accomplish their goals. It's somewhere that I excel because, I mean, I spent my whole life, you know, I had an accident when I was a kid. I was told you're never going to be big enough or strong enough to do these certain things. You're going to grow up and be like a normal person, but you'll never be athletic. You won't be physical. Your body took too much damage. And I believed that for a long time. And I was little Benny and I was the shy kid. And I had people that supported me and I had people that bullied me because I got a different kind of attention than they got. And I could have taken that as a 10 year old boy getting run over by a truck and breaking every rib and having a, you know, two punctured and collapsed lungs, lacerated liver, lacerated spleen, wow. the entire uh, left side of my face peeled off because when I hit the concrete, it tore my skin off, swallowed wow. my tongue and almost died. Like I had this traumatic 30 seconds away from death injury. And I let what everybody told me uh, sink into my own mindset. And then, you know, making this recovery period through junior high and high school and getting into college, when I left for college, I realized I was four hours away from home and I'm right outside Chicago. I'm no longer in this small town and, I, and nobody knows me anymore. This is a chance to figure out if I can truly make it somewhere. And, you know, I mean, I grew up in a, in a I had wonderful friends, great teachers, small town, great vibes, but it wasn't easy, but it wasn't miserable. I'm not trying to make it sound miserable, but I was up against so many odds and professionals telling me I wasn't ever going to be good enough. And I just woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to try everything I can try. And I'm going to go after everything I can go after. And if I fail, at least I know I, it, that it's because I tried and failed, not because I didn't try because someone told me I wasn't good enough. So I think that I kind of excel a little bit in that leadership of telling people, you'll never know if you don't do it. Don't spend the last day of your life on your deathbed thinking, I wish I would have tried that thing. Hell, it's, you know, you sucked at it, but at least you found out you sucked at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've accomplished all these great things because I drove the bus, man. Like I got on that bus and I went to the modeling thing and I went to the acting thing and I went to the television thing and, and I wanted to be a competitive fighter and I wanted to, okay, well now I'm a pro kickboxer. I have to learn jujitsu. Okay. I'm getting good at jujitsu. Let me try pro MMA because it all gets blended together. And a lot of that stuff just rang together because um, those things fall into place, but I'd never be with Tonto or anybody else. If, I didn't have that ability to push myself and challenge myself because I'd rather know I wasn't good enough because of me than somebody else telling me I'm not. So, I mean, that, you, you addressing that, that's kind of my mentality and that's, that's how I look at it, you know? No, yeah, he, de he definitely does teach that way. He, he always take that chance to do something. I, 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 we, we, everybody should live their life with that mentality of, well, at least let me try it. If I'm not good at it, okay, well, at least I can say I tried it and I did it, you know, or, or experience. I, I think life experiences are the most important. Whether you fail or succeed at them, you're going to learn from regardless. I think you learn more from failure than you, you learn from succeed, actually, because when you succeed, yeah, I did things right. When you fail, there are so many things you've probably done wrong. And if you can do an AAR or an assessment when you're done, an after-action review of your own, your own uh, actions – and, and you can figure out what you did wrong. What do I need to do to improve them? And then you can be successful the next time out. I, I, you know, I, if you, if anybody that's read the Ranger Way or Patriots Creed, you, you see the book is is the books are are immensely about failing and failing and learning from the failures. But also, I, I agree with Benny. 
I, you know, with with the talk of if you do it when you're done doing it, at least down the line, and I always look at it when you're 80, sitting on your porch, looking over your front yard, yelling at the young whippersnappers to get off your grass because you're a grouchy old cuss. <laughs> you can still sit there and be, man, I did that. I at least gave it a shot. I, you know, I, one of the things, and I still get made fun, and I knew it was going to to the, to the day I die. I knew it was going to happen, but I enjoyed it anyway. Is the sunglass commercial. The cheesiest sunglass HD vision commercial in the world. And I'm like, man, I shouldn't do that. I'm going to look like such a jackass. People are going to make fun. It's all going to get ridiculed. And then I thought to myself, man, that's an experience. That's an experience that a lot of people don't get to have. And whether it's goofy or not, at least I got to experience it. And that's where I tell people that are worried about the courses. And I use that as an example. Just experience it. it. You know, you may come and you may just feel and it may just fall flat on your face and you may not enjoy it at all. But at least when you're done, you can say, well, at least I tried it. The worst thing in the world for me would have been to think back. Well, man, I wish I would have done that. I hate that. That's the pet peeve word. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. No, don't wish you would have. Go do it. Then you can say, well, I did it. Didn't like it. Not going to do it again. But at least I did try it. And I think it's where Benny's coming from, and especially people that are new to the tactical world or new to anything, you still got to give it a shot. At least give it a shot and, and see if you enjoy it or not. And you may find that it's one of the most favorite things in the world for you. Uh, we've had people that continually come to our courses now, the Battle Line courses. I know Benny's had the same within his dojo that they first thought this is going to be miserable, and now they're hooked. They're like lifelong, <laughs> and actually they're – uh, we have a, another gentleman in Texas that that was terrible, came out to the course, wanted to learn terrible the first time he came in to do tactics. And now he's God dang, I, like, wow, dude, you're, you're clearing rooms, you're shooting, everything looks spot on. But he had to take that first step and, and he did. And I, I, yeah, that's why Benny's an instructor. That's why I, we only have a few instructors at battle on because you got to have that mindset. I, I, that's what I want to and I want to work around guys like that. Uh, yeah, we give each other. We have yeah, we get on each other's nerves every once in a while. But in the end, though, it's it's the same mindset of of leaving. And man, man, that was fun. We had a good time. Everybody enjoyed it. And I always ask Benny. I would, I don't ever ask him. Hey, how'd the training go as far as tactics go? Hey, how's the smile? People, how'd they do? Are they, are they having fun? I always ask that. Are they having fun? And I don't have to worry about Benny because he always makes it fun. I mean, it, it, even though as much as I I want to say he doesn't at times, just so I can give him shit. I can't. I'll go and he's having fun. He's smiling. And I always have to go and pull him away because we have to do rotations like, dude, you're going over time. Stop talking. Stop enjoying yourself too much. Get him over. Get him over to the next station. But that just says what, what kind of person he is. And, you know, you're a public speaker as well, brother. So I know you when you do some public speaking and you get out there on the road, do you talk a lot about motivation and overcoming adversity that way or or just trying things new? I know it's staying positive, but when you do your public speaking, what is your really your main theme when you go out there and talk? Is I know it's hard to talk about all that. So what do you what do you try to combine it to and when you talk to groups? Yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, they'll have like a specific thing. Tell your story about your accident and how you overcame it and you're never give up, never stop fighting lifestyle type thing. Sometimes they're, you know, they want to talk about how can one person have so many jobs? You know, like this morning I was at a doctor, a new doctor this morning. And he was like, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, it depends on what day it is. Like, you look at my resume. <laughs> I mean, am I at the gym? Am I doing a TV show? Am I doing a private lesson? Am I personal training? Am I at battle line? Like, good Lord, it's weird for me sometimes too. But I, 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 the main message is always exactly what you said. It's the motivation, right? 
you you have to be motivated. Like you have to get off the couch. And if the best you can do is a mile, then go do a mile. But I, I want people to to not be intimidated by something new. If you if you lose the fear factor and you don't care what other people think, um, then you know it, it's so much easier. Like here's a good example of what I might say to somebody. One thing that makes me so proud is I'm uh, I run a lot of races. I run ultra marathons. Yeah. And I and I do a lot of runs and. And you know who makes me the most, you know, like put a tear in my eye sometimes. I get in, like so inspired by people. I'm amazed by my friends and the people I know that are fast. Like they can run 15 minute 5Ks. They can run the two hour and 20 minute marathon. Like that blows my mind. But you know what? You're good at that. You're an athlete. It's easy for you. So while I respect everything that you have, you found the thing you're good at and you're pushing yourself to excel at it. Sure. That's awesome, right? Your work ethic is applaudable. But the people that warm my spirit and motivate me to continue to try to do better is that super overweight man or woman that I kind of mentioned earlier, that's 150 pounds overweight, 200 pounds overweight, but they signed up for a damn marathon and they're the last ones to finish. And when they could easily say, I'm never going to go run that marathon because everybody will laugh at me. Everybody will look at the fat person. Everybody will look at the out of shape person that's struggling and they're going to make fun of me. Why would that person choose to run a marathon? I look at it like you're doing everything you can do to make yourself better. Some yeah. people are just big. Some people are just big. It is what it is, right? And But you are taking away all your fear and all the stereotypes, and you're showing people that I finished a marathon. And you know the beauty of marathons? The person that gets first place and the person that is in last place, they get the same exact medal. <laughs> yeah. They achieve the same thing. Yeah. And so when I do my public speaking, it's always on a motivational forefront. And I try to approach it kind of with that mentality. Like, yeah. go take a chance. Go go impress yourself. And then you'll impress other people. And, and the fact that someone like that actually completed the marathon is huge. And I really mean that because I can tell you that uh, this is kind of interesting. And you telling me this uh, is reminding me of something that I won't name his name. But there's a guy <laughs> I worked with at Sirius XM uh, who was out of shape, didn't run, didn't do fitness, any of that. And he decided a year before uh, he, he decided while watching the Boston Marathon next year, I am going to run this Boston Marathon. And he was apparently so motivated to do this. He made a podcast about getting in shape to run the Boston Marathon. And I checked up on him a few months later. He did a whole bunch of episodes of this thing. What what happened, man? Did you run the Boston Marathon? No, I didn't end up doing it. So do you, like, do you know how many people say, I'm going to do this then yeah. three months later, six months later? Oh, I'm not going to do it. So the fact that someone who really is not in the shape to do it is being told, what are you, crazy? This is not in your wheelhouse. And they actually go out and they do it. That is inspiring. You know, I, I, one thing I tell kids, I want to just advance a little bit, if it's okay, is um, I wish I wish somebody would have told me this when I was 10 year old, 10 years old, especially like having the accident and struggling. But the same the same message, but in a different mentality, I'll tell kids um, it's canceled this year because of COVID-19. But every year I speak at the Youth Leaders of America. I'm a returning guest every year they've ever done. it. I'm one of the, the two or three guest speakers that comes to talk to these kids. And it's such a, an honor, you know, and I tell the kids, I'm like. How many of you love math? You know, a certain number of them raise their hands. And there's probably 20 kids in the room. It's an elite, small uh, group of kids. How many of you love science? You know, a certain number raise their hand. And I'll say, okay, how many of you just, what, uh, Joey, what's the thing you hate the most? Oh, I just hate biology. And I'll say, 
all right, but you have to take biology, right? Like it's, you have to take it at school. Um, you don't get to skip class every day. You're not at the Youth Leaders of America conference because you're skipping school, you know? Um, you're motivated, but you hate it and you have to do it. And, you know, Julia said, yeah. And I said, but you hate it, but don't you want to be great at it? Like if you have to do it, why would you want to be me mediocre at it? So the mentality is like if I, if I have to do PE in school, why not dress up? Why be the one that chooses to dress out and sit every day? Why not go be great or realize I'm better at basketball than I ever thought I was? If I have to take biology, even though biology sucks, why not make an effort to get an A and improve your overall GPA and get better? Because as you get older, we have to do more things we don't like than we yeah. get to do the things we like to do. And yeah. so if you have that championship <clears throat> mentality, that warrior mindset, so to speak, where if I have to do it, I may as well be great at it. And that's how I do it. I'm always trying something new. And even if I'm in last place, I did the best I could at it. And if I don't like it, maybe I don't do that. I find the next challenge. But if I did like it and I want to improve, now I know I have to work even harder. So for children, I have that mindset. If you have to do it, you may as well be great at it. Your dad wants you to play piano. You hate piano. So what? 20 years from now, when you're 30 and you get on that piano at a party and everyone thinks you're the coolest thing since mm -hmm. sliced bread, like... You're going to be so proud that when you were a kid, you tried really hard to be great at the piano. You don't know what that's going to do for you in the future. So if you have to do it, you damn well may as, you know, may as well be great at it. And so that's the, my approach to a lot of things. You, you, put, you put the work into it and you, you get better and you improve. And, and you, know, you said it earlier, you're right. There, there are, I know we, we come across and people have said, yeah, we're all created equal. I, I don't honestly believe that. I know everybody's better at some things than others. And that's just how it is. I, I, I you know, I, I may be a little bit better shooter than Benny. Benny will whoop my ass on the mat. He's better at it. I, and I don't, I think that it maybe goes through training, but I do think genes and being born with certain skills is also realistic. It's not being, you know, I'm not being divisive. I'm not being, trying to be negative. I'm just telling people, what we are all created equal with is the ability to get up and at least train and get better. We are all have that opportunity to get better. That's where we are equal. We're equal that every one of us can get up off our bed or get out the door or eat correctly or get to the gym or read more or whatever your vice is, whatever you like to do. Good vice is not bad vice. Whatever your good vice is, everybody can get up and do it. And, and that's where the equality comes in. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with Benny. I, hard work. And that's what he comes back and he's talking about. Just It's just hard work. It's that simple. You know, we may not all be blessed with the, with the, with the, the, the exact same skill set as the next person, next, as a person next to us. But we are all blessed with the opportunity and the ability to get up and go get better. Every one of us can do that in some way, shape, or fashion and whatever you want to do. I, one thing with Ian, Ian pushes me. Ian is incredible at this podcast stuff, at this this stuff here. He, I mean, no, he, at the radios, at Wilk, he, he's put himself through all the, all the, I, I don't know shit about this. And I've, I'm trying to learn so I don't look like a complete jackass when, nah, when nah, we're nah. on this podcast <laughs> and we're doing, you know, <clears throat> He, he he whipped it like, yeah and he may think it's it's nothing but you know the the intro that he just did for the for the podcast that came out he did it like in what 20 minutes i'm like holy shit dude that was completely professional you did it from your house he whipped it all together i couldn't do anything like that it's sitting here for two weeks and i'm so so now i'm trying to figure out how did he do all that stuff <laughs> and not that it's i'm funny, and, and it's funny because i just think when you're in the zone of something that you love doing it, it is that switch thing that the switch yeah. is on and I am really going to get to this, you know, um, even with what? the voiceover I've been doing, 
there's a huge difference I notice when I have to read these big scripts. If I get up in the morning, I'm unmotivated, I'm tired, I'm, my mindset is like, eh, I, I don't want to do this, <laughs> as opposed to a day where I go for a run, I, I am in the right headspace, and I'm at my computer, and I'm able to record things for hours at a time. I mean, I, I've never discussed this on the podcast, but when I was in middle school, I was uh, diagnosed with ADD. And I, this is probably divisive to some people, but as I've gotten older, I think ADD is is kind of bullshit because I've realized in my own life that if I was in a boring class for hours on end, I cannot pay attention. But, you know, when I worked at Sirius XM, for example, and I worked on an exciting show like Andrew Wilkow's, I could sit there for all three hours and hang on to every word he was saying. Uh, if if I'm, you know, learning something new about fitness or recording voiceover, I could be totally plugged in. But if I'm bored out of my mind, I'm going to daydream. And and that is completely normal, I think. And, that's the and I don't think condition. we need to put people on medication for that, you know? Yeah, that's the human condition. You know, uh, if you're bored, you're in la-la lane. And if you're excited about what you're doing, you're putting in your 110%, you know? Um, it yeah, yeah. My favorite quotes is, toughness is greater than talent. You know, you might be talented, yeah. but because it's easy for you. Yeah. You're, you're lazy at it, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm not the best fighter out there. I'm never going to be Tonto. I'll never be a Tim Kennedy, but there, you're, do, you can fight better than me. Come on, Nelly. You, you whoop my ass, dude. I'm not going to, you, you, you think about that and you're like, it's okay to be good enough. Have I trained enough to be good enough that if someone breaks into my home, I've done enough tactical training that I am good enough to defend my home versus uh, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with this gun I just bought and I never trained before. I don't have to be Tonto. You don't have to be Benny. You just have to know those couple things and train enough yeah. in those couple yeah. things to be able yep. to work well under pressure. And if you're tougher than the person that has talent, the minute they get tired, that, that talent goes out the window. And yep. now the toughness, because you can outlast them, now they're toast. Fatigue is the killer of technique. Toughness is greater than talent. So this whole ADD thing is similar to that for me. All you're doing is you're just, you know, you're bored and, and you're off in la-la land. And right now, you're, you just have to sit through that, that downtime, that, that difficult time. But you get that one spark that fires you up. Now that toughness is coming to life, and you're going to outlast what everybody thinks of you because you have ADD. And uh, it's a stereotype. And I think that it is medicated too much. We just need to get kids into things <coughs> that, they, that they are proud of and they want to do and take the boredom away. You know, I'm not good at math. I'd be bored as hell at a math lecture. If you were talking about chemistry or math right now i'd probably be uh you know looking at my watch or yep. whatever but uh, you know we're engaged in an awesome conversation so of course you have my full attention but i think all of those things kind of tie together oh exactly and and i think that you know it, this goes into what you guys do with teaching things we we really teach kids one way of just they're all sitting at a desk they're facing this teacher uh there's nothing physical for most of the day and not everybody is able to learn that way. The way that you guys teach the battle line tactical courses, as Chris always talks about, you guys are always moving station, yeah. station to station, and there's some physicality involved. And I think we need to learn in this society that not everybody is able to learn the exact same way. Uh, someone who probably was horrible at school because that's not their way of learning could excel at a course that you guys teach because they need to be moving around. They are a little bit more hyperactive. And, uh, you know, I, that's... You know, well, well said on that because I, I, that's that's how I learn the best. I think the techniques that we train that's selfish, but it's my company, so I can do what I want with it. <laughs> that's that's how I want to train because that's how I learn. Standing around to me, uh, and there are instructors that do that and they're good at it. There are, but 
I never learned well that way. I, I didn't learn by sitting there and listening to somebody talk or watching a PowerPoint for 30, 45 minutes. It, some people do. And I always tell people out there, hey, if you're going to come to Battleline Course and that's how you learn, you probably want to go to another course. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not going to take your money. I Go learn where you're going to learn the best. But that's just not how I learned because people check out, just like like Benny said. You know, you, you get bored. I, you know, you start seeing people go on their phones. They're starting to to check out. You can see it in their eyes, and and the the best way to for me to to learn growing up was to just continually do it, whether I failed at it or not. Do it, okay. Do it again. All right, do it again. All right, do it again. All right, got it down. But and doing that instead of somebody telling me. Well, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I was like, okay, got it. Tell me, let's get all after it. And you know, that's that's how Benny trades. Benny Benny does talk a lot, and I'm speaking for Benny. I know Benny else, but I that it's it's all good. And then he gets into it though. He doesn't just stand there and chit chat. And and really, from what I've seen from when we first started teaching till now, the, the he still he still talks, but he, he's he's doing the demonstrations while he's talking, and then he gets after it and. Man, and people love it. People love love to work with him, and they I get the comments all the time. Man, I love Benny. I'm coming back to work with Benny, and that's where I've went to the next level and said, Benny, you got to start teaching some some firearms with that because people people are enjoying what you're doing and you're good at it. And and yeah, and that's that goes down to again where have figure out what your clientele is, what you're going to learn, but just if you continually work and you continually are moving and you continually trying, you're not going to get bored. And you will learn. Even if you don't want to learn, you're going to learn it because it's going to be repetitions. It's going to be habit-forming movements. You're just going to continue to do it. So I, I, that's well said. Well said by not me, by you two. I'm just expounding on what you all said. I think another great thing to add to that is, you know, by doing, 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 um, you figure out what you're not good at, too. So we have yeah, to make adjustments. Yeah. We have yep. a lot of handicapped people and overweight people that train with us, and they're great shooters. But they've never for a minute thought about how do I get from the front seat of my car to the back seat of my car yeah, in, yeah. in a vehicle fight. And now I'm like, you know, half of my hand is missing or I'm, I'm paralyzed. And we have students that are like that. And I'm like, well, OK, you might not be able to do this drill this way. So let's figure out what you can do. So they're doing, doing, doing not only to just be good at what they're told to do, but also to figure out maybe what they're incapable of. So we can teach them what their next option would be, what their yeah, first option yeah. would be. And if you don't do, 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 and all you do is sit around and listen, then at the end of the day, you know, they're not really learning what's best for them anyway. And I do believe in talking like you have to tell them this is what it this is what it means, what I'm going to teach you today, rather than I just show you a grappling move or a gun disarm or a movement in a vehicle or walk in the room, clear it like this and come out. And then they just go through the motions. But now they don't really understand why they did that. So that's, I mean, I do. I talk a lot. You figured it out on this podcast, Ian. But, um, <laughs> you guys you know, both do. Uh, it's good. We, we, I, we, I can too. So. You have to have the mental understanding combined with the physical understanding. So that way you truly learn the entire process. And I think we're all good at that. Yeah, no, that's, that, you, that's, you know, yeah. as instructors, when we get to work with those with people that that, are, you know, different body types, uh, different abilities as instructors, it makes you learn, too, because you have to learn there's different ways you have to teach as well. You have to do, do you, there's different ways you have to instruct uh, example for for was when we did the Fort Worth course and we had that gentleman that was in the wheelchair that came through the course. And we're doing room clearing. I, dude, 20 some years. I've never taught anybody how to clear a room from a wheelchair. 
and it helped me figure it out when I'm going through it. He's going through the rooms, and he was awesome. I I, I, I saw Chad, the video of you teaching yeah, it, right? Chad's that was awesome to see. Yeah, it, but and that's a simple. It came right down as a as an instructor. Okay, I got to figure this out. And guess what? My my learning curve is right now. It's about five minutes because he's going through the room here in about five minutes. So I got to figure it out now. And it, it it was it was awesome for me as an instructor to do it and be like, wow, holy crap. Okay, this can be done. All right, it really wasn't as overwhelming as I thought it was going to be when he came through. That I was just going to be well, uh, well, uh, well. Uh, I don't know what to tell mm-hmm. you. It, it it was it, and it made me smile and it made him smile too because I was watching him do it and it was all making sense of what he was doing and what I was saying actually made sense for once that was fantastic so it was going through and when it got done we both had the biggest smiles on our faces and he's and he's he's a regular now for for battle line oh yeah and, and yeah and you've you've taught you had him dude I mean it was Chad you I, Chad I'm not going to give his well I'm sure he doesn't care he's an awesome guy. But, you know, I, Benny, when he talks about we, we do get a lot of people that, that have certain disabilities. And I'll, I'll say – I'm tired of PC shit, whatever you want to say, guys. But they overcome those things, and they push through it. Uh, Jennifer, you would never know who Jennifer was in our courses. Jennifer comes through. She, she doesn't have legs. She has, she has two prosthetics. When she comes through our courses, she goes through all the stuff. I guarantee you, if I put money on it, I would say, "Hey, which one of those people out there?" I wouldn't tell you it was a female because I would put it that would because we don't we get more female males than we do females in our courses. But I would say, which one out there do you think doesn't have legs, has two prosthetics? I guarantee you couldn't tell. And she never cries about it. She never put. She never says anything about it. I didn't even know the first time she went through the course until I was told after. Like, what the hell? Holy shit! Because she was running down on her stress fire land. She was running. From 100 meters to 50 to 25, she was doing all the movements. I didn't even tell. So when people complain that they can't do things, when people complain that they, oh, I can't get it done. Oh, I have aches and pains and this and that. All I think, and honestly, I even think this, I get up in the morning, like, gosh, I hurt. My knees hurt. I actually think of those too. Like, holy shit. These people, now Jennifer and Chad are a hell of a lot tougher than me. I can get my ass out of bed. And honestly, you know, going back, and, and I just remembered it, Benny, if you can, uh, I want you to talk about, if you can, you tore your Achilles recently, like two years ago, and now you're back to running half marathons. Dude, go through that and tell people how you overcame that and, and the perseverance because I, I, I think that's important because I, I partially tore my Achilles playing football in college. I had to sit out a year. That, that is no joke. That's painful. That, and to completely tear it or to have surgery on it and have to have it rebuilt. To come back and now be running again and now you're teaching again, you don't look like you've lost a step. Man, that's amazing. So how did you get through it? Because I know we've got injured people that listen and are going through hardships right now with their bodies. Give them some advice, man, and, and how you how you built yourself back up to, to run half marathons again. So um, 2018, I did have a, a syndrome in my – my Achilles was hurting every time I would go run. And, um, you know, there's – I've run four or five marathons, do two ultra marathons and tons of half marathons. And however many 5Ks I could get my hands on in a year, just always going and doing an event somewhere. And finally, the, there was a thing called a Haglund syndrome, and it's a, where the heel of your uh, foot starts to get misshapen and it starts to dig into the Achilles tendon. Well, in order to fix the Haglund's deformity or Haglund syndrome, they have to cut your Achilles in half and then detach it from the bone. So then they shaved, like, they shaved about two inches of my heel bone off to get rid of that pressure, and then they... Screw the Achilles back into the, the heel you have left. 
Ow. And then they have to reconstruct where they cut <laughs> it in half to go get behind it. So it was cut in half and detached, re-screwed and rebuilt to get all put back together. And it's common with a lot of runners, but now you're talking about one of the longest recoveries of any injury that I've ever had. And again, 35 broken bones, two elbow, both elbows, <laughs> shoulder, bicep, tendon, five major surgeries. I've broken my big toe on my left 12 times, my big toe on my right six times, my right foot broken twice. I mean, I'm a hot mess, bro. So, um, <laughs> but, but you're I still sexy. You're still beautifully damn. sexy, man. You are. I, I've, <laughs> I've literally spent some part of my whole life with an injury and being told, you know, at 28 years old, I was told, okay, you broke your foot for a second time. So you should never fight again. Well, that, that same year, I went to the Olympic qualifier for Taekwondo when a doctor wow. told me I should never fight again. You're yeah. 28. You have the feet of a 70-year-old man. Don't fight anymore. Okay, thanks for telling me not to do that because now I'm going to prove you wrong. So I, I'm a stubborn ass when people say, <laughs> you're not good enough or you can't or won't go do that. I may let me show you. And if I fail, it's not because you were right. It's because I knew I made the effort but couldn't do it. So the Achilles was... Um, nine and a half months where I couldn't put any full pressure on it. Like I got into a boot after six months, it was three months in a, in a walking boot and then, um, a different type of like heel support. So I wasn't like normally walking on my own for nine and a half months. Then it was six months of physical therapy. So there's 15 months right there. Then I finally got released and I started to lightly jog again, but this July, um, will be, a year to when I slowly started actually the movement process again and November will be two years, but right away, um, I attempted, um, I, uh, the month that they said, you're taking the boots and everything off. You're good to go start training again. Three weeks later, I ran a six hour ultra marathon. I only got 18 what? miles in that six hours, but yeah. it was six hours of go, 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 go. And then I attempted a, a 48 miler that I do or 46 to 48, depending, um, Man. Uh, two week, two months later, or actually a month later, and I failed it. It was the first do not finish I ever had, and I'm still pissed off about it. Um, <laughs> but but it was like literally right after I was allowed to start walking, I went and tried to put myself out there, and I just hadn't recovered and retrained it enough. But I'm training for that race right now. So in in September, uh, in August I'll do the six hour again. In September I'm doing this 46 ultra uh, ultra marathon again, 46 miles. And right now I'm running uh, anywhere from 150 to 200 miles every month. So I do almost six miles a day um, on average. Some days I might do two, some days I do 10, but I'm averaging about six miles a day. And um, I put 35 pounds of surgery weight on. I've lost all of that except five pounds. So I'm back in the 160s from being 197 because a year and a half of being an athlete and not being able to do anything just destroyed me. Um, but I, I'm not gonna end my life or when my time comes, I'm not going to have my life be over and have ever given up and said, you know, um, well, you had another surgery. You probably should stop, <laughs> you know. So uh, my mentality is, is like if, if, if I can keep going, I'm going to keep going. If I'm the slowest, I'm the slowest, but I'm moving forward. And the Achilles was very tough. I did have some depression through it. Um, I did have a lot of worries through it because I really did feel like, man, I might not ever be able to run again. And running's not just running ultras. Running is going up and down the mat so I can continue kickboxing. Running is doing drills so I can do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Running is teaching courses at Battleline Tactical and my company, Integrated Yeah. Like, if you can't run, it's going to be hard to walk eventually. And if you can't walk, not saying that I, I would give everything up, but I wouldn't be able to have the careers that I have. So um, 
it was really, really difficult for a while. But I'll tell you, the, the benefit that helped me so much is surrounding yourself with good people is one of the greatest things you can do in your life, right? Yes. And when I have Chris as a boss and a colleague, and colleague, he's telling yeah. me if it takes six months or a year, <clears throat> no one's going to take your place. Battle line is here for you. We'll work around you. Not yeah. Me, oh, definitely. And we're ready for you. to. So that's motivation. Like he easily could have just said, bro, you know, like we got to continue the business <laughs> and I need to bring somebody in. And Chris never, never put me on the side. I was still part of the team. I still got the email. I still knew where they were going. If I wanted to come and travel and just hang out and watch, he made that an option. But And you did um, at the Fort Worth course. You, you were still banged up, and you still came and taught a little bit. And that, that was, a, that was, that was, that was awesome. Course and, yeah. and I got I got after it. And that was a confidence builder. So like, you know what? That's the one that said, hey, Chris, I'm back. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not 100%, but I'm 100% enough to do this job. Good for you. So you surround yourself with positive people, my wife and my daughter, first and foremost. And I've got um, people like Chris and Ben Morgan and, and um, Boone and, and you get uh, like even guys like Chad and, and um, some of our students that stayed in touch with me. Benny, I want to train with you again. When are you yeah. coming back? I did a course and I missed you. And so positivity creates positivity. And um, the Achilles was really was probably the hardest injury I've ever had to deal with, with everything I've ever had broken, strained, cut, sliced. Um, it, it was and I'm older, so I'm going to be 48 soon. And I, it's harder to recover. It's harder to get better when things go wrong. And so that's more of a mental challenge, but I, I can't be a hypocrite and preach, never give up, never stop fighting. Uh, toughness is greater than talent every day is, is day one. I can't be that guy to the whole world and then be a quitter myself. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I have no, maybe yeah. a week, I have a week maybe uh, here and there where I get really down, but you know, you gotta, everybody does that though. Right. And you 100%, up that bunker yeah. And you start kicking ass. Again, <clears> so, you know, no, that, that's true, man. Your mindset is very similar to uh, David Goggins, if you've ever heard him talk about going through buds with all the injuries that he had and ultra marathoning and, and all of that stuff. And, and also what you're saying about those weeks that you have, it is true. All of us have it, no matter how inspired, inspiring of a person that you are. Uh, I'm a huge fan of David Show, the artist who did this like great podcast about his whole mindset of stuff and and he was saying how people will say to him they've heard him talk and they're like you know you're sometimes like super depressed how do you have like this positive mindset when when you talk like that and he's like yeah 20 percent of my life i'm very down on myself i'm very but he's like but the other 80 percent like i love waking up every day i love what i do i love inspiring people and he's like i will take that quota over people because he's like most people are 50 50 or 40 60 and that is true. If you can keep that positive mindset the majority of your time, you're good. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you, though, because it's kind of been a theme you've been talking about, is your main inspiration, whether it's running an ultra marathon or being a fighter, is it proving people wrong? Is that the main thing that inspires you? It, it used to be. It used to be the number one thing. Like, that was my anthem. Like, tell me I can't do it and I will prove you wrong. Not because I'm arrogant or better than you, but you can't decide that for me. I, I gave up as a child letting people decide for me, you know, and I had to know for myself if he's right, then I at least I also know he's right. You know, going back to that whole thing, um, like you, you talked about Goggins, I, I cannot compare to that guy. What a machine. What an inspiration. I do relate to him. And um, it, I, I think Chris will agree with this, too. The, the world that I live in, the world he lives in, um, part of part of the. I don't want to call it depression, but let's just say downtime, right? Mental yeah. downtime. The demons it's, come. They just the demons come, man. You just, yeah. they just they're with well, everybody. 
when you're the black belt in jujitsu, it's such a rare thing to be a black belt. It's like such a big deal. And, and I might be the shittiest black belt on the planet, but I'm, I made it when one 99.999% of all people that do jujitsu never get a black belt. Like I'm in that elite, I'm the worst one, but I still made it when everybody else quit, you know, like that mentality. But when you walk in the gym or I show up at battle line and people read my resume, I have to, uh, there's a part of me that thinks I have to prove that. There's a part of me that thinks, what if, what if they think I'm a sham and I'm only a paper pirate, you know? And it's like, <laughs> this guy looks good on paper, but he's not shit. There's a lot of pressure that rolls into that. And to be as good as everybody thinks you are, and a lot of people think that I'm really exceptional, I'm really not, man. I'm not better than anybody else. I just don't give up. And I just try to continue getting better. Yeah, I'm better than a lot of people, but so are you at what you do, you know? I told yeah. a kid one day, if, if, if ping pong is your thing, then be the greatest ping pong player on the planet. Oh, Who yeah. cares what your thing is? If you play the oboe, well, what the hell's an oboe? That's a goofy instrument. Who cares? <laughs> play the oboe better than everybody else plays the oboe. So it used to be that my goal in life was to prove everybody wrong. Now, as I approach uh, closer a couple of years away from 50 years old, it's about keeping myself um, driven so that I can continue to have new experiences. You know, when when um, I had a pro MMA, which wasn't glorious, but I had a pro MMA background and kickboxing background, somebody came to me and said, hey, we need a color commentator for this TV show. You want to do it? Hell yeah, I'll give that a try. 300 TV shows on my resume later. I was a, an elite television personality. <laughs> so I believe that if I continue to, to prove people wrong and, and push forward, other doors are going to open. If I hadn't trained with who I trained with before, um, I would have never met Chris. If I wouldn't have trained yeah. with, with Boone for 15 years, I wouldn't have met Chris. If I wouldn't have met Chris, I wouldn't have had the, the job at Battleline. If I didn't have Battleline, I wouldn't be on your podcast right now. Like, the doors open because you wake up every day to kick ass, wake up, kick ass, repeat, you know, kind of one of those deals. So um, now it's about um, it used to be proving people wrong. Now it's proving to myself that I'm still good enough as I'm getting older. And number one, more than anything, is to show my daughter she can do whatever she wants. If I'm really good and I'm driving forward and I make mistakes in life and I do stupid shit like everybody else does but we're all human and we all learn from it and we all try to get better every day. My daughter will be unstoppable. I want her to be tough and be brave and be beautiful. And I don't want her to be a victim and I want her to be proud. And if I lead by that example, um, then I'm doing the right things as a dad. And you know, I'm not a perfect dad. Nobody is. I'm not a, a perfect man. Nobody is, but I try to be more, more, more good than having a bad day. You know what I mean? So um, it does roll into parenthood for me too. Oh, as well. That's that's why he's that's why he's a trainer. That's why I wasn't going to. There's no way I was going to replace Benny. It's hard enough to find an instructor with no ego, but then to find an instructor who who just exemplifies positivity and has gone through his own mistakes. And I always love having a guy that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm not the best at everything. Hey, I, I'm going to screw up sometimes." When I hear that, I know that he probably is not going to screw up very much. And he is damn near probably close to the best because he's able to admit his faults, which means he's going to work at improving those faults. And it hasn't, it, he hasn't, he hasn't disproven that at all. So yeah, now you guys know why Benny is the lead combatant instructor battle line, why Benny has his own company, why Benny is successful. He is, he's successful and he's a successful as a family man, successful as a husband, successful in his own, own life. And, 
and everybody can learn from him. I learn from him too. I, I always do. And, and I, you know, I, again, I, I won't admit that again. No, I, I always do. I always <laughs> learn from Benny. But, I, you know, I, I, you can. And as instructors, and what I love, he said at the beginning, and I wanted to come back to it. Um, he said, as instructors, we want to make it where we don't have to instruct you anymore. As instructors, that is the end state. As a coach or a leader, if you're in the military as well, whatever, you want to put yourself out of a job. You want to be that good that they don't need you anymore. To me, when he said that, he said that to me the first time, because that's my mindset too. It's like, that's the guy right there. That's the guy I want. I want a guy that is not is willing to give out all the information he has, not hold anything back, even if it means it's going to put him out of a job, because he gives a shit about that person getting better. That is, that's what sold me. And that's how Benny's, and he said it again here. I'm going to say it again. And I know he's lived his life like that is that, Hey, yeah, I, I want to teach and teach you. And, and, and I want to be able to give as much information to you as I can set an example. So you can say, Hey, appreciate it. Got it all. I don't need it anymore. We're good to go. I learned everything I can. I'm going to move forward. Perfect. I did my job. I feel good. We're happy. That is, the, and that also exemplifies humbleness. It exemplifies humility, which is important as an instructor, but it's also important as a leader, but it's also important just to be that way as a human being. There's not a lot of humility out there, guys, anymore. There isn't. And and uh, and have finding somebody that is humble, but also confident. You can be confident and humble. And then, yes, I did the same as he. We push the line every once in a while with some air. Every once in a while, we'll be a little bit arrogant. Even <laughs> just when we're to each other. We're sitting watching pets in Chicago eating pizza, being arrogant <laughs> to each other. But but that humility is is what sets sets it apart and he has it and and you know and as you people are listening to the show you can see that Benny's a tough son of a bitch but he's also very humble but the biggest thing he cares he gives a shit about you he gives a shit about you getting better and that's as an instructor you can't ask for anything more that's something you can't teach either you know it's funny um that the excitement of meeting Tonto you know like um, who and I, he found who out I was just a complete for... idiot. He just said, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're an idiot. You're a lot shorter than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> I, I, I thought your butt was bigger, but I don't <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, but, but you're excited about the 13 hours guy and the war hero guy. And, and of course, that there's so much pride about that. But now um, it's funny because I'll say, people say, what do you do? You know, I'm the lead combat instructor for Battleline Tactical. It's one of my proudest things I've done in my career. Oh, thanks, man. Um, but you know, it's like I said, you, you have to say, well, have you seen the movie 13 hours or read the book? Because a lot of people just might not know Chris's name by his name yeah. when you just throw a name out. But now they say, oh, Chris Tonto Bruno from the movie. Now it clicks, right? Like, Bing. <laughs> and, but it, it, in the beginning, even for me, that was so exciting because all of that was so exciting, but you get to meet people, right? And you get to say that guy, um, lived one of the craziest things a human could possibly go through, but what an arrogant prick. <laughs> you know and, and it, it's distasteful you still respect it but what kind of guy is he? he's an arrogant douchebag but chris chris has kind of gotten away from that chris chris was never that guy to me like i met the famous guy it was exciting to meet the famous guy yeah. and but now now he's just one of the greatest tactical instructors and one of my best friends and, and a yeah. brother to me yeah and you know it's like um it's not like oh my gosh, we went to Chicago and, and taught a bunch of police and taught a bunch of great citizens how to be better with their concealed carries and, and made, made the community better with this Benghazi war hero. No, man, it's just, you know, my buddy Chris, yeah. and we're, we're working really hard. And at the end of the day, I'm sitting on the couch sharing a pizza from my favorite bar in the city because I'm from Chicago. 
and I'll plug him. It's Lottie's bang, bang. Um, and <laughs> you got the hat on too. We're, we're drinking a beer and we're eating pizza and we're watching pets. And we're watching we're pets. Macho guys. But I'm doing that with my buddy. I'm not doing that with the Benghazi hero. So, you know, the, yeah. the lack of ego and the great instructor and the great mentor that he is for me, all of the famous shit went away. And now he's just a guy I want to get better with every day. And I think that as people train with us, that's why we have such a, we have an extremely high return rate in Battleline yeah. Tactical for return students. And I think it's because they're all excited to train with Chris for what he was. And then they come back because for who they figure out that he is now. He'll always be the Benghazi guy, but he's so much more than that. Ben Morgan is so soft-spoken and so excellent <laughs> at what he does, but quietly just makes people laugh. Like, our team is so genuine. And, I mean, yeah, yeah we have our moments. You know, we got to be a little bit badass here and there. But yeah. um, I've had people where some of my techniques haven't worked on them. And so then I said, hey, can we try it again? And I make an adjustment. And I said, that's why you train, so you can learn to make adjustments. Yeah. And then respect is instantly regained or re-earned because nothing works all the time for everyone, no matter how good you are. But I think that um, like that point of Chris is like, now I'm with Chris and I call him Chris to people more than I call him Tom. Yeah. I, I, and I appreciate you know, that, dude. You know, I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I really do. Or Nancy. I like to call him Nancy. <laughs> being a little Nancy, girl, but, Nancy boy. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm but, that too. That works. But, but I, <laughs> But I think that that's important for people to realize when you meet someone, it's great. The reason why you went to meet them, but get a chance to know who they really are, because, yeah, they're famous for a reason. But there's so much more than that. You know, people give me a lot of credit because of my resume. And then when they sit down and have a beer with me or eat a pizza or watch a movie, I'm, I'm nothing of that. Like, I don't brag all day long about what my jobs are. If you ask me and you want to talk about it, we talk about it, um, you know, but at the same time. Uh, I just want to laugh and act like a, an idiot and, and be silly and, and enjoy the day with whoever I can. And if we're going to get down, we're going to get down. Otherwise, life's too short not to just laugh and have fun. And, and Chris, I think we do. We laugh a whole lot and we have a damn good time. Yeah, we, we do. It's it's good courses, man. Really good. Man, I well said, brother. I, I appreciate it. I know we're getting close to, to, to signing off for in a second. So I know I, this, I won't ramble in because sometimes I'll get going and it'll be like 1245. Like, holy shit, I talk way too much. And, and you say no. I talk too much. Jeez. <laughs> but, uh, that's but, what we do, man. It's a podcast. That's, that's a podcast. Right. But, uh, but no, it's true. I, I feel I, I understand exactly what you're saying because I'm in the same boat as you in that like with what I've gotten to do with my life over the past really coming on 15 years I've gotten to meet some really remarkable people and and some of them yeah it's, it's because you respect their work that you want to meet them but then you get to know the person and you're like wow this is a great person to me like nerding at I, I am the biggest 80s hair metal nerd as Chris will tell you <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know getting to know Mark Slaughter from Slaughter to me it's like yes. oh I got fly to the angels up all night this guy's the man and then actually <laughs> hanging out with him at like Emmett O'Looney is just talking about ta actually talking about his love of this country, talking about other cool things, giving me like interesting pieces of, of uh, like tidbits from Slaughter's history. I'm like, this guy is just such a solid guy. Uh, or even Frankie Palmieri from a mirror we had on the show. Um, that was one of my soul interviews, but uh, first time meeting him, I was nerding out because I'm a huge fan of his group and then getting to know him. We're very similar people. So I, I know exactly what you mean. Once you kind of, take away the starstruckness that's not a word but you know and get to know the actual individual it's it's pretty cool and, and sometimes it's not cool sometimes the people that that you respect turn out to be douchebags as you said yeah. <laughs> more, more often than not though i think 
I, I think the people whose work I really like have turned out to be really cool, solid people. And that's why I'm still in touch with them and, and why I still have a lot of those people back here on the podcast. Um, you know, by, and before we wrap up, I, I was going to say, we, I got to give your contact, and I think Chris would agree, to uh, Christoph Lewis, because you have such a similar mindset for his, you know, motivational type yeah. podcast. You would be a great guest on there. I'd yeah, be happy we, to do it. Yeah, let him know. If he's interested, he's always down. And, and and be nice. He's a good guy, dude. Don't don't be don't be don't be asshole, Benny. Be be genuine. No, I'm kidding, dude. No, Chris, you be ex. But Christoph is a tremendous guy. Faith based podcast too. And uh, yeah, I, I will we'll give him to uh, Christoph. If you're listening, we'll get you Benny's information. You got yeah, him on, man. I'm gonna DM Christoph because the the whole interview. I'm like, man, you'd be perfect for his yeah, show as well. Oh, if you're totally, yeah. you know, yep. in that wheelhouse of his audience. But uh, once again, BenjaminGlossop.com at BG combat on Instagram, as well as on Twitter. And then if you want to follow Benny's personal brand, it's at ICG fight on Instagram, of course, at official battle line tactical on uh, Instagram battle yep. tactical on Facebook. Uh, this has been great, man. Love talking about all this. And then I I'm trying, uh, you know, I'm not 100% positive, but I'm going to try to come out to that main course. Am I going to meet you if you're, if I'm in Maine, if, if Chris wants me, I'm always there. It's just a matter of what type of course it is. But yeah, if, if it's got um, if it's got any kind of combatives or uh, if it's a vehicle defense or a home defense or, you know, active shooter response, I'm always there. So it just depends on the course. But uh, that would be great if, if he's there. And right now, it just depends on the sign ups. It's a pistol carbine for the main course, guys. So probably. Probably not, but it's until we can. And we always, you know, that's what sucks about business. I always have to watch it too, because if if we get enough signups and I can bring him out, even if it's not a course that per se that he would be part of, which as far as curriculum goes, like vehicle defense, he's always going to be a part of. Active shooter, always a part of. Um, whenever we do any defensive concealed carry, he's always going to be a part of that because that is more of retention and draw stroke than 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 getting into you know them focusing just on the on the on the shooting portion. Um, but then with with stuff like this, if I get enough people and I can bring him out, I will. And that's where, hey, Maine people, nine more people sign up. We can get Benny out there. ChrisTontoPeranto.net. Yeah, www.ChrisTontoPeranto.net. Go to uh, Battleline Tactical and sign up. I'm going to try my best to be there. I mean, it's a long drive. for I think it's like an eight-hour drive or something, or it might be more. But uh, I, I want to come out there. He's a piece of cake. Yeah, I, yeah. I like driving, so I'm going to try to. I'm going to try yeah. my best to. You're welcome. You're welcome to, brother. I'm driving 26 hours to get out there. So true. True. I, yeah. So no, no, I, no, I get no. I get you. Weekends is tough, but yeah, guys. Well, as, I, as long as I can, I will be there. I mean, I, dude, just the same way you're talking about things that we excel at. I watch the videos of you, of both of you guys training people for battle line tactical, and this is truly where the both of you excel. I don't know. I am, you know, I'm a gun owner, but it, it is not in any remotely way my wheelhouse. But I'm able to just watch those videos of you guys and see this is like naturally what you're great at. And and oh, I love you. watching greatness. Oh, thanks, man. I, Benny, yeah, you can take that. you can take that one, man. But Benny's great. I just <laughs> I just try to try to keep up with him and Ben, man. And it's good that now at Battleline we actually have our, our core, which. It took me a couple of years to figure out who who would do it, gel and work well together. Uh, you know, we've always had good instructors, but we fo we found the core, and that was important. So, uh, yeah, Ben, if Benny's there, guys, and you see Benny on the roster, and we always promote that Benny, if he's coming for sure, he's there. You, you won't, you'll have a blast. You you, it'll be the favorite part of your course. Me and Ben are good. You'll be like, yeah, that was fun with Benny, because he is. He he makes it fun. 
and he and he has a better sense of humor than I do, and that's pretty hard to do. But he does. He does. <laughs> well, it, it's true. And aside of being better looking, especially. With yeah. that, right? but, you shithead. The, the best part for me is people say, I didn't realize we were doing combatives. Like I saw it, but I didn't know what that meant. So thank you so much. Like at the end, they're they're learning something. They really have zero clue. They're all shooters. Like they all shoot. That's why they show up, you know. So at the end of the day, that's where it makes me so happy is is when they're walking into something completely unexpected. And they yeah. get Chris and they get Ben Morgan. And I was able to give them something that really opened their eyes to just, you know, it's bigger than what you thought. It makes me so happy. And so being a part of that team element with that type of uh, closure at the end of the weekends, feels yeah. so good, you know? Yeah, bro. And it, guys, Benny, it's not, he has his own thing. So if you guys, you can always just train with Benny there in Florida. Where are you at in Florida, bro? We haven't even said that yet. Where are you Tampa at? Bay. I'm on Tampa Bay on the Clearwater side. Okay. I'm on the water side. So, well, Tampa there. Bay is all water, but Clearwater side. There you nice. go. There you go. Yeah, right near our friend uh, Corey Olanis. He's in that area. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, thanks, dude. This this has been excellent. I'm obviously going to have it up on Monday. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll meet you at a course coming up at some point. If not, we'll we'll just figure out a reason to get together. I'm pretty easy like that, too. When <laughs> yeah, he is. Up, I just want to travel. So if he you is. said, hey, meet in Indiana and do something, I'll try to work that out. You know, I'm, just life's about experiences. So let's make them. Let's make them. Yeah. Happen. Oh, 100%. And I really will give your, your contact to Christoph because I think you'd be good on his podcast for sure. Oh, thank you. For sure. I'm down 100%. Cool. Yeah, you know, like I always say, guys, much love and stay frosty. Ah, yes, yeah, sexy. <laughs> Dude, that was that was great. Uh, you know, I knew Benny for his background and working with you, but I didn't know about the amount of injuries. Oh, I yeah. I didn't know his whole story. Uh, he, he's the man he, he, I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting him at some point. And you know what I was going to say? I didn't say it during the interview. Benny Glossop in itself is just such a badass name, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, is that even a real name? Like, yeah. it's like a stage name. I did what I read. I'm like, that's a cool name, man. I wish I had your cool name. I think I even said that the first time I, I met him and then I saw his ears. I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Chris. <laughs> you, you keep Benny Glossop in your ears. Because he's, you know, he's he's got them wrestler ears from from doing the uh, Gracie stuff and the ground stuff for so many years and and everything he does. But they're they're not as damaged as Pat Miletich, though. No, I think Pat Pat is, yeah, Pat. It's close though. But Pat <laughs> Pat's up there. Pat's at the top of the list. But you know, that's the thing is the same as Pat. Pat's one of the nicest guys in the world too. And 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 Benny Benny comes across just just like that, if not even more. I think he's even he's just more out. Just he has that outgoing personality. He's always very happy, always up, and it is. It's true. I have to. I actually need to get a blowhorn because we have to rotate during our sessions at Battleline Tackle for our courses. And he's. I always have to cut my lane up and say, guys, hold on. I got to run over where Benny's at because we teach in different portions of the ranges we're at. Run over there and say, hey. We got to go, man. We got to rotate or he'll see me in the background. I'll try not to interrupt him and he'll see me put my hand up going five minutes. You know, Hey, I'll give him the five. Like, Hey, we got to go wrap it up. But that's just because he loves teaching and people are gravitated towards his teaching style, which is, which is why he's a battle line, man. And why he does his own thing and why he's successful at being an instructor. So, and he's just a great guy, just a great, just a great, great guy. And, that's I, mean, I wish I could have a, a more a better adjective to to explain him, but no, he's it's, it's just a great great individual that knows what hard work is, and he doesn't get into politics. Like we we don't we, we have our views on things, but 
he's not into politics. I mean, he gets pissed off at things just like everybody else does, but that's another benefit is that he, he's, he's in that aspect. He just, he just wants to live and he's worried about his own circle, his own bubble. As far as, as far as getting in other people's businesses, he won't until it's time to teach. Then he wants to teach you that he's going to be in your business because that's his job. But I, I love him because he's a guy we can't, we can sit around like in Chicago and that was no joke. Sit around after a day in Chicago eat pizza, watch pets and just talk. And it doesn't have to be about fucking politics, man, which is, but that's the type of person he is. Great guy. Yeah. And I I feel the same way as what you're saying. I mean, both of us have our views on things. I think the, look, I'm not someone who's not aware of what's going on politically. I mean, clearly from the intro, we both are, but it's, it's when it completely consumes you. Like uh, some of the guests that we have on, I go on their Instagram and it's every day. You know what I'm talking about. It's like 20 posts about Hillary Clinton, this and Donald Trump is the greatest. And and I'm just like, come on, man. And also it's just how it's just miserable. I I was, and I can say that from experience again, because that's how I was for three years when I left and was in this, you know, in the Benghazi thing going on, I, it, it, you become a miserable person. There is no happiness unless something bad happens to the person, the politician or their group that you don't like. Then you're happy. But that's not true happiness. That's not being yeah, happy. Yeah. And you're, you also have no you have no real control over it. Yeah, the best things in life are the stuff that you really can have control over exactly. your own self-discipline. And, and I think we always say, like. When we say on this podcast we don't get political, it's not like we're not going to answer any questions that we get regarding the politics. I just never want this show to be, um, and I think you feel the same way, like a platform of, yeah. we need to get this man elected. Uh, like, yeah. I, I'd rather everybody be able to listen to this and enjoy and get something out of it. And it doesn't mean I'm going to shy away from my views on things. I mean, we, we, well, yeah. we, we definitely give our own takes on things and people are going to be offended or not be offended. We don't really care. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. not, yeah, it's, it's not going to ever be the focal point. The focal point is more so hearing someone like Benny talk about getting through his injuries and, and honestly be being real about it because when he did say, yeah, that he was down for a little bit, that he does have weeks that he's down. That's real. I think anybody who says that they're motivated 100% of the time, uh, that they don't have days where they're sulking and they're miserable, then they're, they're full of crap. Yeah, everybody yeah. does. Everybody has yeah. those days. It's it's all about getting back up, finding that motivation to to keep yourself uh, fit, to keep yourself doing things that you want to accomplish in your life. It's it's very easy to just lay back. And, and as you said, I have injuries. I can't do this. I'm not able to do it. All that negative self-talk is, is like the worst thing you could do to yourself. And, and well, and that's that's why Benny is successful. And that's I knew myself as well, as far as I, and success is relative. I think whatever you think success is, that's what it's going to be, whether, you know, but that being said, you know, being someone that just gets up every day, even through adversity, or when you have adversity and you're able to fight through it, even if it's years of adversity and you're able to fight through it, come out the other end to me, you're successful. I I don't care how much money I've, I've seen people with a ton of money that aren't happy. And to me that I don't think you're successful. Um, but that's my opinion. Maybe you are successful. You love money and you love being miserable. That, that's, that could be success in your, but, but that, that thing too, you see a lot of those people that do, you know, the millionaires, they actually have worked their ass off to be there normally. I mean, some have been born into money, even if you don't like athletes, you don't like professional athletes because of their political stances. They have gotten to that level because they've worked their ass off or play college. I know what it was like just to even become to get a scholarship to a college 
just to be a, you know, be an All-American at a small college. That took a lot of work. To get to that next level, you have to work again. It's, it's, so to, you, hard work is always going to be the, the, the way you become successful, whatever you do. Uh, the, the chess champions, don't tell me that they don't practice every damn day. You know, writers, they're writing stuff. They've been writing stuff since since I don't know how long, you know, since high school. They've been writing papers and, and they've just practiced and practiced, practiced. There's a few people out there are just naturally good at stuff, you know, but you can say, well, Michael Jordan, he didn't have to work at bullshit. He was cut from his his high school basketball team when he was a sophomore. <laughs> don't think that he didn't work his ass off to become good at what he was. And then then that's where I also tell people, well, we aren't all created equal either because some people do have more natural ability for certain things. And again, Michael Jordan's another example. He, yes, he, he had to work his ass off. He did have that natural ba- ability to play basketball. So when he coupled it with the two, when he worked his ass off and it coupled it with that natural ability, he took it to that level that he was at and that can be said for for benny and his 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 teaching and his mma and and he has a natural ability just to be a good fighter because he's athletic couple that with his work ethic now you've got a now you've got a guy that's superhuman and and you know he just why is he not mma why is he not ufc he's never uh, talking to him it's not a route he ever really wanted to go into he just he always wanted to do what he was doing now. And now he's getting into the tactical portion. That's where he wanted to go from when I talked to him. And it's taken him not more than a year, but to become just as good as people that have been doing it for years. And that's because he had he wasn't created like everybody else, but he always had that created he always had that ability to work hard and that ethics to work hard. And he's coupled that with his natural ability. And now he's like I said, isn't another guy that, that you could be considered a superhuman. I don't want to fight him because the dude's not – me and him – if me and him got in a fight, literally, I'd be, I'd be honest, one of us would have to die because neither one of us is going to give up. And that's the kind of person, though, when you're in protection or you're working with, that's the kind of person you want having your back. But he's also humble enough to be like, I don't want to get in a fight either. That's the person you want there too. I'm the same way. I I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get – I don't want to fight nobody. If fighting hurts, no. But if you have to – you're, you're, you you can take care of yourself and, and and then you can also do it with a smile and he's he's that way so i bro i i again i i love talking to benny i i think people can get a lot out from him out of him from his teach you can learn about a lot about life and like you found out ian all those injuries that he had you know i've i've known about him just because i've been around him for for 2 3 years now quite quite extensively you know that's amazing cuz injuries can make you quit and it's hard to come back from injuries especially when you're at a level and then you drop all the way down to level zero and you got to work your way back up that's admirable because a lot of people can't do that so man look at benny and and he's done it all being an ugly son of a no he is sexy (laughs) (laughs) but yeah now more than ever i think it's all about adapting and overcoming and he really demonstrated that in that interview i know a lot of people listening because of what's going on they may be out of a job uh, they may be out of the flow of going to the gym, uh, what, you know, just their normal flow of things. And now more than ever, you just got to find new things that you want to accomplish, new goals that you want to reach. We've said it all along on the podcast, but yeah, there's a lot of opportunities now online to do things uh, that weren't available before. So yeah, whatever your personal goals are, uh, get out and make it happen for sure. Uh, you know what I was going to ask you actually, just to, before we wrap things up on on just a lighter note, uh, he was talking about his favorite pizza place in Chicago. I, I 
couldn't tell you if I I may have had pizza in Chicago because I've been there, but it's been so long. What what is truly better from your perspective, like New York City pizza or Chicago? I I'm a I'm a thin crust kind of guy. New York City. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Chicago. That being said, Chicago <laughs> is a better city than New York City. So I know Chicago. Chicago. I love Chicago <laughs> as a city. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But to me personally, no, I, no, I do like Chicago deep dish. But God dang, it's just so hard to eat. It's awesome. I love Chicago deep dish pizza. But if I was gonna put in, you would say, hey, what do you want? Do you want New York style pizza with a thinner crust, or that you could fold up? Which I, I love eating it like I love eating it like that. Roll, fold that thing up, eat it like a eat yeah. it like a pie sandwich, man. Or do you want to eat the? Uh, you want to have a deep dish? I'd be honest. I I would pick the Chicago the uh, the New York style just because I like I like thinner crust pizza. And uh, but boy, if you get a meat lovers big old meat lovers Chicago style pizza, holy crap! I can maybe finish maybe one piece, but it's awesome. So it it's a tough call. If, sorry, Chicago. I apologize, Chicago deep dish people but i do prefer the new york the new york style because i like a thinner crust and i think it, i think that the tomatoes and the tomato sauce honestly the the pizza sauce is i don't know it just comes it, it just it just it's just a little bit more there just man perks you right up that's one thing i've loved doing in, in new york brother when i come to visit you is i'll walk and i'll just stop at one of the new york style delis right there, right on the side you know that's the best place to get a pizza man i did go to one place tell me if i'm wrong you've been living forever it was by the brooklyn bridge and i had to wait outside i mean it was like standing room only it was awesome okay. i mean you had to wait it was right under the brooklyn bridge and it, it was a, I, it was a i know it may be a close place. I know there's a place Will Cow loves. It's called like Arturo's, and that's like one of the fancy spots. I I will tell you the best place for pizza, uh, I think, is not in New York City. It's right by me, right here, Port Washington, called Salvatore's. If you ever come visit me, man, pizza. Yeah, here, then we're amazing. going. To, we're going I, to Salvatore's. I, I genuinely think like where I live, the town I'm in, which is a small town. We have the best sushi I've ever had in my entire life. We have the best pizza place I've ever been to in my entire life. And I am not in the city. So, yeah, but any, anyway, man, this has been a fun episode. Once again, if you want to uh, check out Benny, BenjaminGlossop.com really is all the links to everything. Uh, we have T-shirts available, guys. Link they're in great. bio. Yeah, they're great. So check yes. them out at the link in our bio. I've been wearing them all the time. I know you did a live stream wearing one. Yeah, it fits and, perfect, uh, dude. It's great next level stuff. Good soft. It's that good. We don't we don't skip on our T-shirts. We like nice T-shirts, man. And no, it's a. Guys, it's, it's awesome, awesome t-shirt. Sorry to cut you off there, dude. I put it on. No, mouth. no, they're, they're great, it's man. Great. I, yeah. I wear them all the time. Uh, so, yeah, leave us a review if you're into the show, uh, which I would hope you are if you've listened to this whole thing on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. That really helps us out. And as for sound quality, because I know there's some people saying, what happened to the sound quality? We will be back in studio next <laughs> week. Uh, I don't even know officially who we're getting on, but I'm going to line up a whole bunch of people. We might have some... Uh, Second appearances from some people since they're just around, like uh, Jack or uh, or Jim West or uh, Luke Ryan, and then we have other people I want to get in studio. Like I'd love to get um, we could get Raph on, man. We got to get Raph and talk about the aliens. For uh, yeah, I want to talk about all the conspiracy stuff as well as you know being a photographer for Jamie Fox for uh, DJ Who Kid Fifty Cent's DJ. So I think we might get him on. I wanted to get James Powell on, um, who's former CIA, former Marine, but he's got some family stuff he's dealing with, and I want to wait until he could be in studio. 
Um, so he'll be on soon. But yeah, we have a lot of people in mind. I want to get Gordon Shang on because he I'd love to oh, hear yeah. the perspective from China. And then even if we could get them to talk about things other than politics, I would love to get Tom <laughs> Deneen Borelli on because Tom and Deneen have been huge on like reposting our show and helping us out. And they're two of the most solid people. I, I know you remember seeing them at yeah. your book signing yeah. Uh, yeah. a couple of years back. They're just regardless of, of what your political views may be, you, the listener, because I, I you know, you guys know where they stand. They're just two of the nicest people I know. And, and that's where we, we, I mean, as far as we are staying out of politics, it's so hard just to get people to come on that don't that aren't just delved into politics. It's just uh, it, it sucks. And I hope people figure this out eventually. But we've become so ingrained. It's almost like an ideology. It's almost like a religion now. It's like, yeah, hey, tell tell people to turn off Fox or CNN. It's it's almost like and it is it equates to telling the Taliban to not believe in the Quran anymore. I mean, it really, it's, that's how bad it is. And you guys could all oh, Chris roll in your eyes. What are you talking about? I, I, I'm not. the. T- it's going to come out. Uh, t- Chris Toniprano calls Democrats and Republicans. Uh, they, he, he compares them to the Taliban. It's going to go. Some stupid shit's going to come up. But it is that ideology. And if you don't believe me, I want you to test yourself again. I want you not to look at news for a whole week. Can you do that? Can you do that? And if you, I guarantee you, none of you out there, I, 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 if you can, I, I believe you. Email us and say, hey, or DM us and say, Chris, I didn't do any news. I didn't watch any of it uh, for anything. Even Facebook. I delete Facebook off my phone. I delete it off Instagram. I post and I get off of it. I don't read the feeds. I, Ian is my guy when I come on, like the Drew Brees thing. I didn't even know, dude. I had no idea that was going on. But that's, I, I challenge you. I challenge you. If you don't believe me to that comparison and you want to call me book, call my bullshit, I challenge you to turn off your, all your social media and to not watch the news for just one week. That's all I'm asking. One week. If you can't do that, then you know what? I'll pay, I'll put it, pull it out from an Andrew Wilkow show. I'm right. You're wrong. You cannot, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, my argument cannot be disproved a hundred percent. So that's what it is. But I, I do feel that way. We get to that point and that's why our country is, in the stages that we're at, it's just because, God dang it, guys, from from Rodney King, can't we all just get along? Seriously, that's as simple as that. Can't we all just get along? Well, obviously, it's not working right now, but we can get there because we still are the greatest country in the world. And we're coming up on July 4th, brother. Celebrate yes. our independence. Let's celebrate it. Be blessed that we are in the greatest country in the world. And you're not in Tiananmen Square protesting with a tank running over you if you think that our country is so bad. It's not. It's not at all. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, I did my rant. I did my, uh, <laughs> my, my, what's the old radio guy? I used to, Harvey, what was his name? The old, the famous, oh, he had the old best radio show out there all the time. I'm trying uh, to think. I don't know anyone uh, with know, Harvey. I, uh, what was his name? Oh, shit. I'll, I'll remember it next episode. Wait, let me, uh, I'll go on here. It, Google it. I'm, guess, Google. I'm guessing this is before my time. It was, but you would know his name because he, he, he you know, he was one of the pioneers of talk radio. Uh, I see. Oh, Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. There you go. Paul. This Harvey. is way, be- way before my time. Way before I, way, <laughs> but, I, I couldn't tell you anything about Paul Harvey. Oh, you know, I could best. tell you about everybody from Howard Stern to Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> to Opie and Anthony. All, I know, you know, I know my radio, but yeah. I, I just have to listen to it in the car. My mom used to listen to it. My dad driving on the, on the AM radio station. I'll be up, brother. If you have a chance, listen to him talk. He was, he was fantastic. man. even as a kid, as a, five-year-old six-year-old i would still 
would listen to him talk. I don't know. He just had that voice. So anyway, he used to say it at the end and he used to finish at the end. That's it. That's all I have to say. Well, that's it. That's all I have to say at that point. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, I, all you listeners out there, I appreciate you guys listening and hearing us. And, and I hope you come away with something positive with all this. And you challenge yourself. Challenge to do do something different today. Challenge yourself to to not look at the news today. Challenge yourself to go for a walk. Challenge yourself to go for a run and maybe pick it up a little bit. Challenge yourself to take a nap, relax, lay down and close your eyes. Is that a challenge? I don't even know if people can do that anymore. It's, that is true. But, but bro, well, yeah, and I, you know, what? I've seen people say it before and, and this is really true because I think it's what you're getting at that a few, you know, 10, 15 years back, we would go on the internet to escape reality. And now it's like we go out in nature to escape the internet. Yeah. Right? Escape the news. <laughs> this is that brother. I, I think we should end it with that one. Cause I got nothing bad. That, that's a perfect <laughs> analogy right there. Let's end it with that one. Cause you are so right. Perfectly right. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. Never quit.